Hey guys, this is GM Brev, and I don't listen to the Order 66 podcast because I'm too busy using Magic Missile at the darkness. D20 Radio, your gamers roll. Execute Order 66. Hello, Gamer Nation. It's Sunday, March 29th, 2009, and you're back for episode number 60 of the Order 66 podcast, your source of everything Star Wars Saga edition related. I'm your host, GM Dave, and with me is a venerable plethora of individuals from the far-off land of Plano, Texas, and I shall introduce them forthwith. First of all, of course, my faithful cohort, cohort. <laughs> drink, GM Chris, what's up? Drink. What is up, Gamer Nation? It is I, GM Chris, here with my highly caffeinated partner, GM Dave. And uh, we happen to have a, uh, by, by listener request, a voice of, um, I would say a voice of reason, but I'm not quite going to go that far. Somewhat uh, noteworthy, I might add. Of, a voice of, of, giddy, of giddy happiness in the, in the, on the show with us this evening. And who would that, that be? Yes. Now that I've managed to step on her twice, who would that be? Mr. King <laughs> of Introductions of Radio Land. Oh, well, <laughs> uh, that would be a Twi'lek goodness. The lovely Twi'lek goodness is with us this evening. Hi, TG. What's up? Hey, it's going pretty good. Excited to be here. And uh, trying to import, impart my happiness and sense of reason as much as I can. All right. That's fantastic. Hey, Mr. Asselford is in the house. Yes, I just noticed that. He's in the chat room. Look at that. No, no video of TG. I can only put one co-host up at a time. You streamer 75888, who has still not identified themselves. Slash Nick, my man. That's all you got to do. Not that hard. Join the 21st century. Okay. <laughs> and with that. Yes. Announcements. Dude. Radio Free Hamlet is on the scene, talking the talk and walking the walk of the Paragon Path. Uh, RFH is back. They took the time to delve deep into the Paragon Path from the Player's Handbook. Uh, DM Tim and the crew providing their usual wisdom and repartee. Listen, you grognard you. Go listen right now and be amazed. Yes, indeed. So, everyone, just when you thought you were safe. In a world. In a world. Just when you thought you were safe from Minnie's mayhem, guess what? Another random act of mayhem has come forth to conquer D20 Radio. So, episode three. After about a seven-month absence, episode three <laughs> has indeed shown its face on the interwaves. Brev and Tenny have gotten their audio snafus somewhat situated very back. Situated. they are back to take a cute little look about um 
Oh, I would say it would be some Imperial Tanglements. And I, just for the record, I wanted to I wanted to note that I voted for Tenny to win the uh, the skirmish because As did I. because Breb made an error on his on his uh, squad. The squad would not have benefited from commander effects, and I believe he cheated and changed the uh, the, the pieces in the squad. So therefore, Ooh. my vote does not count. Snap. I voted for Tenny too, just because you know I, I wanted to front out Brev. That's pretty much it. Yeah. So Brev, um, you're a cheating bastard. But do you know who won? Brev. Brev did win. Yes. Yeah, because he's a cheating bastard. Yeah. I also got the opportunity to play some minis. That was kind of fun. Yeah, that's what I heard. I played a, a modified black and blue squad, which is of course uh, Vader, Thrawn, um, Masameda, and a bunch of stormtroopers, and um, almost beat the crap out of a uh, good buddy Robert. So. Rob, bob, do, bob, bob, bam. Okay, beautiful. Yes, but what else is out there in the uh, Game of Nation and news? Uh, we have, let's see, episode, oh yeah, speaking of bread, episode two of Cinematic Attic is up. Uh, D20 Radio Network's newest podcast where Brev and Jed share their love of cinema with all of us. And they take the time to discuss something near and dear to my heart, Alfred Hitchcock. Bum, 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 bum. Or more specifically, the classic film North by Northwest, ah. which is very, very cool. Very, very cool. Have you seen North by Northwest? Yes, of course. Fantastic. TG, you? have you seen North by Northwest? No. No? That's because you. I'm going to blame you and say yeah. it's because you haven't shown me. Yeah. Throw been... him under the bus. Yeah. That's fine. Hey, that's yeah. fine. Um. <clears throat> Fiddleback sends his regards. His uh, his um, internet apparently threw a shoe over the weekend, and the apartment complex can't get it fixed until Monday. Therefore, there is no storm pooper truetry. There is no game on until like Monday or Tuesday of next week. So, for all of you looking forward to another edition of Game On, you must wait. Good things are worth oh. the wait. They're worth the wait. They're worth it, I tell you. Indeed, indeed, indeed. So, obviously, thank you to the chat room. All, uh, who, how many people are watching us right now? There's 30 actually chatting. There's only 50 actually watching. So, you know, we hadn't been uh, broadcasting all that long. So, And we're a little bit later than usual, <laughs> so we apologize for being a little bit late. I had family activities last Sunday of the month. We have a big family dinner, and it was fun, and it was good. And I took uh, time to smoke a... Uh, an H. Upman cigar that would be a vintage, oh, a vintage Cam- Cameroon. Cameroon. Oh, yes. dude. Yes, indeed. My uh, nephew was good enough to give me one, and I, of course, said, yeah. Oh, uh, you yep. punk. So, so uh, yep. Thank you to the chat room for being there. I uh, wanted to acknowledge you, as always. Thank you. Hello. I'm waving at them now. Uh-huh. So they can see me. Yes. And if you guys would like to, uh, of course, watch the chat room while we're recording live, you can get to the link right at our website, which is d20radio.com. And while you're there, go ahead and click on the link for D20 Radio swag. And if you're really interested in some D20 Radio swag, you should head over to the forums at d20radio.com slash forums, because Nick at Crazy Custom Tees, in all his crazy custom goodness, has uh, put up a poll. Dave, have you seen this? Is that what you're reading? No. Okay. I'm not. No. Um, he's oh. put up a poll. He's put up a poll because um, uh, he's he's, he's going to dance. With... Woohoo, baby! <laughs> Not quite, okay. but he's coming out with some new T-shirt designs, and he wants the Gamer Nation to get on and vote. Um, so uh, go on to the forums and vote. It's a good thing. All right, that sounds beautiful, man. 
That sounds beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay, so juicy bits of web goodness, dude. There's some good juicy bits of web goodness out there. I'm telling um, you, man. There's so, okay. a couple of uh, a couple of things up there from the book. No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Well, yeah, well, no, you're right, man. I mean, let me let's 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 say you listened to episode 59 last night, and you still weren't convinced you needed to immediately run out and snag the Legacy Era campaign guide. You poor bastard. Um, you need something more concrete, a sample, if you will. Well, Watsi does not disappoint. Two more excerpts from the book have been added to the web for your direct download and enjoyment. Quality PDFs, which detail the stats of the LV-8 series guard droid and the well-trained Galactic Alliance Army troopers and naval personnel. So go, download. Naval personnel. How many, uh, how many oceans you have in space there? It's Space Navy. Uh, duh. Like space marines, eh? like space marines. Uh, but these and other juicy bits of web goodness can be found right now at www.wizards.com/slash/starwars. Gosh, it reminds me of my magic time machine escapades. Oh, tell me. That was two weeks ago. Did I not tell you on the show? I don't. I guess. So. I guess I may not have. All right, so. So, uh, this might be left better left for, for daydreaming, but I'll tell you anyway, because you asked. And I like doing it. Anyway, Cindy had a friend in town uh, last weekend, and she is from Austin, Texas. And uh, her name is Lori, and I think one of her kids might actually listen to our show now. But anyway, I digress. She has two daughters, and they are 14 and 16 years old. And... We went to the Magic Time Machine because, you know, that's what kids do, right? They enjoy Magic Time Machine. I hadn't been there since I was a kid. Uh, Magic Time Machine, for those of you that don't live in Dallas, is a, it's a thematic-type restaurant where you've got little alcoves and tables are themed with different movies. And Anyway, the dude that we had um, walking around our general area, funny, funny, funny guy, was uh, j- dressed like and, and played the part of Captain Jack Sparrow very, very well. And uh, looked just like Donnie, Johnny Depp. And it was hilarious. It was just fantastic. Anyway, we wound up with some little, yeah, dressed up as Cinderella. Eee, talking like this all the time. And it really just annoyed me. Anyway, so um, the girls, uh, uh, Lori's, uh, Lori's two girls, Chelsea and Haley, started flirting with uh, Captain Jack Sparrow. And uh, As they should. What? As- as they should. Absolutely, they should. But, you know, they're 14 and 16. Haley doesn't look 16 by any stretch of the imagination. She's, well, never mind. And, <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, that would have got me in trouble. Um, anyway, um, about that time, Napoleon Dynamite walks up with a vote for Pedro shirt, right? And he starts fully flirting back and to the point where one of us finally has to say, dude, she's 16. Gosh. And so she turned. So he turns to mother and says, "So what are you doing later?" To which her daughter says, "Not you." <gasps> oh, I loved it! I loved it! I absolutely loved it. It was one of the most it was one of the most fun nights. Anyway, Taylor Taylor being twelve, hanging out with the sexual innuendo coming from fifteen and sixteen year olds. I didn't, you know. Oh well, what are you gonna do, right? She's gonna hear it one way or another. I'd rather her hear it in front of me right in front of my face than at school where I can not control what she hears. But yeah, you know, or talk about it or whatever. But hey, it was fun. It was really fun. I'm happy you're happy. Yeah, anyway, I have no idea why I was going off on that tangent. I don't know either. You've got some caffeine tonight, buddy. It was something um, about uh, Magic Time Machine and uh, Navy personnel. <laughs> mm, I'm not sure. Something well, about viral f- marketing or something. I don't remember. 
Oh, well, that, no, that's part of our next two announcements. Oh, yeah, that's right. Go ahead. Well, no, no I want you to talk about the first one because it's your contest. We have two new contests coming to the Gamer Nation. Ah, and, yes. Uh, the first one laid on us. Okay, first one. Guys, go out. And I haven't seen anyone. In fact, I don't need, did I make a thread? Did anybody make a thread? Not yet. Well, damn. Okay, I, I guess one of us needs to make a thread. So, what we need is go out and pimp the Order 66 podcast somewhere on the intertube and then send us proof of what you did. And we're going to like uh, give the most creative person a book or something. And uh, an updated printing of the core rulebook, I might add, with the new errata and stuff. And, oh, yes. uh, yeah, so this is based on creativity. This is based on, you know, how good the idea is and uh, based on how much traffic it drives to the site. So if you have a great idea and it's really creative but we get no traffic, guess what? Welcome to the world of suck. You lose. Aw. Yeah. But anyway, you know, we, we, we in our soul, judge whatever's reserve the right to uh, decide what's good and bad. Well, I do that every day, Dave. I do, too. I'm a highly <laughs> judgmental person. Yes, you are. And it's by that same judgment that we'll be judging our second contest, which we have to give props to High Jedi, who made the suggestion to name that chat room. Name that chat room. I need, a, like, a game show sound effect. Yeah. Well, why don't you get on that? <laughs> why don't I get on that? The bottom line is we have our wonderful chat room that's there at Ustream TV, uh, live at the podcast. And we, uh, we at High Jedi Suggestion, want to name it. And we've had some great stuff uh, suggested so far, like uh, Cell Block 66, uh, the Sarlacc Pit, things like that. And uh, you're going to see this coming week. A poll go up on the website at d20radio.com slash forum, where you can vote for your favorite. And uh, we're going to leave it up there for about two weeks, and then we're going to take it down. Um, you're welcome to change your vote as often as you'd like, but when the thread is locked, all votes will, of course, be final. See, Palmetto and- Swamp Fox is in here in the chat room going on about this. He dated a girl who was 14 and looked 21. Uh-huh. See, you know, here's, here's the deal. Granted, okay. All right, yeah, never mind. If I'd have said what I was going to say, that's what would have happened right there. So, anyway. That would have been bad. Bite my that would have been very, tongue. very bad. Just bite my tongue right here. Okay, so boy. <laughs> well, do you want to know what the prize is going to be for the chat room naming? Uh, let me guess. Um, a nickel and a half a cup of coffee. No, no, no. That would require budget. No, no. We're gonna go with um. We're gonna go with the best gift I can give, which is two way to goes and an attaboy. And we'll of course plaster your name all over the podcast. Wow. And here I was gonna say, let's give him two attaboys and a way to go. Oh no, no, no. I'm not that generous. Oh uh, well. All right. Well, fantastic. So what's Twi'lek doing over there? She's uh supposed to be part of the show here. She hadn't said but three words. Yes, yeah, because you're saying everything you possibly can. You've got the caffeine. I don't need to pipe up any. Okay, whatever. <laughs> did you get a postcard this week? Huh? 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 Tell me now. Yes, I did. See my point exactly. Yeah, dude. Uh-huh. Yeah, dude. Seriously, I'm like, I mean, did you like get some crack before the show? This is really cool. I like it, but you know, Maybe it's so. very. You need to be sharing. I need to be sharing. <laughs> oh, no, not that stuff. Not stuff. Not stuff. Okay, so yeah, cell block one one three eight. No, 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 no. What we're talking about, and the one I like so far is actually making a, uh, a, a, a like a, uh, I don't know, like the cantina at the Sarlacc Pit or something like that, you know? Like, we're going to make up a floating cantina over the Sarlacc Pit so you can, like, bungee jump at the Sarlacc Pit, you know, and kind of work in the Order 66 <laughs> cannon that we've uh, started to, anyway, 
But yeah. It's kind of sad when our own podcast has canon. I know. Our our podcast will have canon. We've been around for a year, by golly. Uh, you know, at least we will have been around for a year when we get shut down in a second. Oh, yeah, that was the other announcement that I forgot. Should I tell them now or should I tell them later? Uh, go ahead and make the joke now. The what? It's not <sighs> a joke. Okay. All right. Well, several <laughs> of you have asked what my phone call or email or thing I got um, from... Um, from uh, LucasArts was, and um, actually it's not. It uh, it was something else dreaded and feared. Um, we, I, have been told not to discuss. Anyway, that's what that's it. And it has nothing to do with Lucas, and that's all I can say for the time being. And we'll have further news and further developments later. Let's just say that. Let's just say that my friends at the RIAA can kiss my ass. Okay? How about that? Snap. All right. So what would you get for postcards? Well, I got a wonderful little postcard right here in front of me. A, a blue and green postcard. Bears a picture of a vast world of a coastline, an oceanic planet with intricate latticeworks of rising land, creating millions and millions of little fjords. I like that word, fjord. fjord. And the caption reads... Welcome to Champala, visitor. Mind the drop as you exit your spaceport. Aqualungs are provided for your convenience. From across the galaxy, it's time for postcards from Commander Cody. GM Dive and GM Chris. Hi guys. After a very strange week at the Hologram Fun World, I've been reassigned to a new unit. Things are changing around here, that's for sure. I've been told my old squad members have uh, retired. Good for them. <laughs> it's uh, been a long career working to preserve the glory of the Empire and they deserve a rest. But as for me, I'm commanding new troops. I'm not quite sure they're even clones. At least they're human though. My familiar clone armor has been replaced with an updated model, and I can tell you that my squad walks with pride through assembly. But they're rough around the edges, and more than a little green. They'll soon fall into step. The first mission for the new squad is going to be a good learning experience. We're accompanying several Imperial dignitaries to the Chagri system on the Inner Rim, and to the strange planet of Champala. Home to the amphibious Chagrian species. Strange-looking aliens, if you ask me. The planet is mostly covered in water, with dry land peeking out atop the waves all over. The tidal cycle here is rather extreme, though, and much visible land moves underwater during high tide. We had to land our shuttle in an upper-atmosphere landing platform, then take air cars down to the settlements. And I thought our battalion engineer was crazy for insisting we all get environmental seals installed in our armor before we left. Now I see why. The Chagrians have built their cities half in and half out of the water. Often they neglect to even build stairs or ladders between levels of buildings, simply waiting until the tide rises and they can swim between the levels. Truly strange. We find ourselves awkwardly sloshing and swimming about this city as we escort a group of diplomats that appear to be discussing a mining operation with the Chagrians. These creepy-looking aliens should be grateful for any Imperial contract we give them. <laughs> well, guys, I best be off. I'm tired, wet, and the damp is starting to seep into my socks. Ah, oh well. It's all part of serving the glorious empire. So listen, if you've got a thing for creepy looking aliens, or just an enthusiasm for water sports, 
Head over to Chimpala. But mind the tide. Later, guys. Long live the Empire! Your friend, Commander Cody. I think Cody had a cold. Oh my god. Cody had a cold and now he's apparently eating his microphone, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Let's just say this episode will not be going to the any people. Yeah. So anyways. sorry. Yeah, whatever. So what whatever. was wrong with Cody? I don't know. You had the uh, uh never mind. <clears throat> Excuse me. Cody must have had a malfunction in his uh in his helmet because he sounded he sounded like this very deep voice. I don't know. Uh, it's almost like he was using Vader voice. Very odd. Yes. Quite the dysfunction. Well, sorry. Well, that's all right. <laughs> I um hmm. Hmm. Well, maybe maybe if uh the rest of his troop since they've retired, he's getting older, voice gets deeper. You know. Yeah, maybe, maybe that, that maybe that might be it. I'm reaching. <laughs> You're reaching. Yeah, that's good. Okay. All right. So, guess what? Guess what? Guess what else we have? What? What do we have? We have this. And now, dark thoughts with Twi'lek goodness. I was watching Pirates of the Caribbean, and I thought, wouldn't it be cool if Yoda started wearing his hair in dreadlocks and swaggered around with a bottle of rum in his hand and a compass that pointed to his heart's truest desire, and he renamed the Jedi Academy the Black Pearl? Nah, don't think so. This has been Dark Thoughts with Twi'lek Goodness. There you are. Hey, that was you. I recognize the voice. <laughs> it was just a thought. <laughs> yeah. But you know thought, what I thought best of both worlds? You got, you got the Captain best. Jack Sparrow as Yoda. Your two hottest people. <laughs> Yoda is go. hot. <laughs> there we go. Don't know about that one, Chris. That's a little <laughs> odd. Is this something we need to talk about? Eh, maybe. I don't know. I am not going to wear a green wrinkly skin for you, okay? That's all I'm saying. Aw, dude. Harsh. Okay, that's getting disturbing. <laughs> D20 docking bay, hosers. When it don't be making sense, we be making sense of it. Okay, even though this music is uh, indeed <clears throat> what we might be in trouble for, I'm going to play it anyway. Do it. Because I am pushing my luck. Anyway, we have several questions today, sir. In fact, we have one that came in by email, uh, voicemail, that I'll play for you here in a second. Maybe. Oh, oh okay. Maybe. And that's if I'm feeling generous. Okay. Well, I, I hope that you are. Okay, so... We will uh, start the docking bay off with an email that we got a, uh, a while back from uh, a listener who, well, let's just call him Brev. 
And oh, that's not a real name. We all know that's a Matt is a definitely a made up name. It sounds way too fake. Yeah, and so it's the dumb too. Right. Okay. So what the deal is here is it says, "Dear GM Dave and GM Chris, hey, that's us." Yeah. It burns one. Oh no, we're not going to do that. <laughs> That's not for you guys. Never mind. Okay. So, all right. So, here you go. Questions. Rebuke. Can you rebuke a failed force power attempt? So, here's an example. In our alternate universe campaign, if Amon, who happens to be his PC, uses force lightning on the BBEG and it misses, then the BBEG still takes half damage. But can they rebuke it back at him even though it technically failed? And number two. Let's say Amon uses force power that has a tiered DC based, you know, on the BBEG, and they rebuke it back. I'm sure the BBEG's natural use of fourth modifier would be much higher than his. So, what if the modifier plus the die roll sends the power over to the next DC? What happens then? Does Am- does Amon get hit worse than before, like redirect shot? Well, hmm. nice. Well, I uh, know that's a good question. Um, first of all, uh, dude, see a doctor about the burning thing. Um, as for rebuke, uh, okay, here, here's the raw, and then here's where I stand on it. Per the raw, which is page 100 of the core rulebook, um, rebuke can be activated against a force power that is directed at you. It right? doesn't say successfully directed, just directed. So that would mean that as raw, you actually could rebuke a force power that failed to hit you. Um, much the same way you could redirect a shot fired at you that missed, which has been clarified you actually can do that. Um, but you know, having said that, I'm not going to allow that in my game. Um, why? Because, well, one, it's really lame. Um, I mean, don't lame. get me wrong. It, it's lame. If, if, like, don't get me wrong. If, if, you're, if you're affected by a power, okay, even, even if it misses, as, as in like the Force Lightning example, you're still affected. You're still taking damage. At that point, I'll let you rebuke it. But if it doesn't affect you at all, I'm going to be really hard-pressed to allow this. Okay, I think, I think rebuke is awesome enough. Okay, using it thusly, it makes it like an instant utila power, right? I mean, oh, what force power is he in it? Well, I just know rebuke five times. Well, how's that going to help you? Well, I'll just rebuke back, um, you know, any power thrown at me, whether it hits or not, and, you know, it'll be fine. You know, and just I just don't like it. So, eh, that, that's just my take on it. Now, as to your second question, Brev, um, the devs have clarified that a higher use the force roll on rebuke does not enhance the DC tier of the power. You are not rolling a use the force check to activate the power. The power has already been activated. You're only rolling to rebuke it. Right. Does that make sense, guys? Absolutely makes sense. Otherwise, I mean, heck, remember back in the days of the critical fail? Yeah. And, you know, you can have a blaster bolt go off in some crazy direction. Even though, you're, I'm, you know, I'm shooting at Obi-Wan who's right in front of me, and but I critical fail, and so as I aim, something falls from the ceiling, and I shoot the friend, my friend next to me. Well, does Obi-Wan get to rebuke that? Hell no. No, he does not. I missed. The degree of you, miss. I mean, it's a binary state. You hit or you miss. That's it. Pretty much. I I get that, and I think that's a good call. And now I for the woman's perspective. The okay, sorry. As well. No, that's okay. I, you, I could argue the other way as well, because if you've got blaster bolt, well, not blaster bolt, but if you've got powers flying beside you, but they're not actually hitting you, but they're in close proximity. You can use the force to control the powers around you and shoot, even if it's not coming straight at you, and shoot them back. Mm, potentially. 
But I don't know. I just think it, I think it makes it too powerful. Mm. I don't know. Mm. Mm. But that's my that's my stand on it. Okay. However, if, it's, if it, even if it's directed at you, TG, I mean, and that's the raw. You're right. You could rebuke it back even if it misses. That's raw. That's raw. That's raw. All right. The chat room said I was being condescending. They obviously don't know that I was playing with her for the woman's perspective. See. It's just not. It's just not right. I mean, it's not like it's not like I'm going to u- abuse my power in the White House to make the CEO of a private company step down or anything. You know, I'd rather talk about Star Wars. Whatever. Okay. Nuke, <laughs> Nuke Havoc. Nuke Havoc posted us this uh, very good question here, and he says, "I have a question about recovering spent force powers per the per the errata, page ninety six of the core rules." You can spend a force point as a reaction and immediately regain one spent force power. My initial thought was that you could spend the force point immediately after using a power to return it to your suite. Your suite? Your, yes, your force power suite. Wow, wow. I call, see, I call it a bevy of force powers, but that's, you know, <laughs> to each your own. It came up on the player side last night, and after a brief discussion, I declared GM Fiat... Another car business that's out of anyway, uh, and said yes. We're um, we you know we'll research it later. But anyway, he said yes. Now, according to the core rules, a reaction is an instantaneous response to someone else's action, and you can even use one when it's not your turn. So, looking back, since the reaction is a response to someone else's action, I was doing it wrong. My question is. What circumstances allow you to react and spend a force power to regain a spent power? Hmm. Well, um, Nuke, our uh, our community did offer some really good advice on this, and I'm going to echo it as well as add some thoughts of my own. Um, first of all, your subsequent research has it right. Okay, uh, if so, okay, so if if raw, if if you're if you're like a raw dude and everything's raw all the time, then yeah, okay, you can only return a spent force power as a reaction, and that can only recur in response to another character's action. But I mean, frankly, that's still a very, very, very broad interpretation. I mean, he sneezed. Oh, I spent a force point and regained battle strike. Um, and well, literally, that's perfectly fine. Uh, it's totally cool within the rules. Um, in my own games, since this is such a, a very loose guideline, um, I let my players do it as a free action on their own turn, okay, or as a reaction. Uh, the, I, I, to me, that's the clear rules is intended. I mean, it, it, was, it was there to let a player do it whenever they wanted, and I'm fine with that, okay? Here's the limiting factors, though, and what has caused controversy. Per the rules as written, you can only respond to an action with one reaction and this is that rules there for a reason it prevents jedi for example to attempt to rebuke force lightning fail and then immediately try and deflect it fail or then immediately try and negate energy it you know it doesn't work that way you have to pick one thing to do so one action for one reaction per action so that would mean that if i get targeted with a force power and i I react and recall rebuke then i can't actually use rebuke because i've already reacted um, to me, that is clearly against the rules as intended. So I let the recall of a power uh, violate that one reaction per action rule. So the other limiter, which you want to consider, is that you can still only spend one force point around. Okay. Um, the only exception to that is called out uh, when you spend a force point and stave off death. So if they've already spent a force point, they can't spend a force point to recall a power. All right. So we got an email this week also from Steel Frog, who uh, is also apparently named Josh. Well, no, wait, don't don't go back to shit. I want to know what you guys think about that rule. Oh, sorry. Well, damn it. <laughs> Fine, we can go back. <laughs> what do we think about that? 
<laughs> TG, what do you think? Is she sleeping? No, I'm not sleeping. <laughs> one action, one reaction. How about that? No, seriously. I mean, I mean, do you? What, what do you guys think about? It? I mean, should you should you be able to, um, you know, to 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 spend that force point to recall force power at any time? Should you be limited to the reaction? I mean, I think the rules' intent was to allow you to do it whenever. I mean, yeah, I can, yeah, I can, yeah, I can see it whenever. I mean, but you know, one reaction, yes. right? One action with one reaction, you know, action, reaction. Well, reaction happens not on your turn. Well, is that the definition of it? Well, no, it happens in response to another person's action, which could actually happen on your turn. It, yeah. you know, like for an attack of opportunity, for example, happens on your turn, even though it's someone else's action. But you could react to that. So it's, yeah, it's very broad. That's why that's why I'm saying it's just it's very very broad. Right. Something like that. I'm eating Oreos, by the way. Into the. I pipe. don't. I don't think it's overpowering by allowing anybody to to do it on their turn. Nah. No, not at all. Especially not on your turn. No. All right. So now can I get to Steel Frog or do we have more discussion there? Oh, no. I just kind of wanted to get y'all's opinions on it. That's yeah, all. I'm sorry. I just kind of skipped all. right through it. You in a terrible hurry tonight, sir? No, no, no. Just, uh, no. Maybe. That's why I'm talking so fast. Anyway, okay. So Steel Frog, a.k.a. Josh. Sorry, sir. I'll get back to you now. He says, hey, you all have a great show. Well, I thank you very much. We appreciate that. I just have a question about explosives. Hmm. My favorite kind of my favorite kind of question. Anyway. Um, what are we doing? Oh, yeah. Core Rubik states that if you uh, stack two blocks of explosives together, they deal plus two dies of damage. So my question is, can you place the explosive in two adjacent squares, therefore dealing two times the damage to an object that takes up two or more squares? After all, it seems silly to pay 3,000 credits and only do 12d6 of damage. <laughs> Thanks. I love the show. Well, sir, um, there's really several clarifications that need to be made here um, before we get to the meat of your inquiry. Um, to clarify explosives, and I know Dave, TG, I know we haven't used explosives too terribly a lot in any of our own games, um, mostly because they're expensive. <laughs> um, but to clarify, it's actually very inefficient to stack explosives like that for the plus two dice of damage. I mean, if all you're looking to do is increase the damage. Now, an explosive charge, for example, I mean, it'll, it'll deal 10 die 6, and stacking another one on top only deals an extra 2 die, so 12 die 6. But again, as he, as he points out, two separate charges would deal 10 die 6, and then again, 10 die 6. So why stack them at all? Okay. Well, make it sense to stack them. Well, yeah, you, you, that would be the initial thought, but there's a few things to consider. First of all, stacked explosives are just that. They're stacked on top of each other. So they sit in one single square, and they comprise an object that is diminutive in size. Because sometimes you need to hide a bomb. Um, and a single diminutive item is a lot harder to find than a cache of explosives. Um, also, with a really good mechanics check, you can double or triple the damage that an explosive deals. So when you stack explosives, I mean, it's still only one check that you have to make. So when you have many bombs, you have to make many checks. So I mean, if you're in a hurry, uh, or if you have to take 20 like to ensure that you get that DC-35 to get the triple damage, then it's sometimes not feasible to use more than one bomb. And in that case, if you have multiple explosives... 
Why not stack them? I mean, you know, 30 D6 is nice, but 36 die 6, even better. Um, so that's that. Um, one more thing to point out, though. Remember that you don't have to damage all the squares an object occupies to destroy or disable it. If you hit a single square of an object, the totality of the object's hit points take damage. So, I mean, realistically, this could be explained by exploding the foundation of a building. Um, like, you know, one key hit in one square and it collapses if you do enough damage to it. Or demolishing a key support in a ship or maybe the main reactor conduit. Something like that. So, essentially, you do two more dice of damage so that way you only have to take one check. Yeah, basically. So in essence. Mi minus eight d6 in order to take one check instead of two. Yeah, if you're struggling to take it. That's just one option. I'm not saying that's the best option. I'm just saying that's the reason why. No, <laughs> not for me. I want to blow shit up, so. <laughs> Whoa, how's that? That's just what I'm talking about right there. So, yeah, don't give me no little 2d6. No, stacking, it's fine. I, I think there's... Um, you know, like you said, there's there's definitely a way. That, uh, there's times that I would use a stack, but you know, I don't know. I, I'm I don't know. <laughs> well, no, I think you guys both are on the on the same track because yeah. I'm sitting here explaining it, and you're both like, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, so can you stack multiple? So can you stack three or four, or five or six bombs on top of each other? Yes, you can. And each one gives you two die six. Yes, you can. Right. And uh, so, yeah, and, and that in that instance, that's where you're going to be able to, like, you know, pay that money, stack ten explosives together, and still be able to hide it in a very small satchel. So, but that's pretty much the only thing I could think of. That's right, man. But, but other than that, yeah, he's right. You wouldn't want to do it. It's inefficient. Inefficient. That's right. Because when you kill people, you want to be as in efficient as possible. You want to blow shit up. <laughs> Damn, Skippy. All right. Antelope emailed us with a couple that would of questions. Be, no, no, that would be Antelon. Oh, sorry. I can't read the show notes very well. Oh, yeah. It's all that Java juice you've been drinking. Antelon. <laughs> That's a pretty good name. Antelon. Antelon. Emailed us uh, with a couple of questions. First, he says, I'm going mad. Sense surroundings. Slammer. I've seen countless interpretations, and, re and reading the rules just leaves me confused. Even following your KISS principle. See how hostile that is. Your uh, KISS principle. My KISS principle that's belonging like, to that's me. That's right. Your Fort Knox. He even stammered when McLean pushed him. Okay. <laughs> Especially, how does sense surroundings and stealth interact? Are all hidden targets effectively visible? Only requiring a reaction perception test versus their size and distance to notice. Please, please help. <laughs> okay, um, Antelon, this this actually can get a bit confusing. We're gonna, I want to try and lay it out for you and give you some simple rules to explain how it should work. Okay, okay. Um, first of all, and we've discussed this in prior podcasts. One cannot hide via stealth without some type of cover or concealment, and that's very important to note. Now, the sense surroundings application of the Use the Force skill, page 77 of the core rulebook, makes a few things clear that we need to take the time to emphasize. As a swift action, you can make a DC 15 or DC 20 if the target has total cover. Use the Force check to allow a perception check 
to ignore cover and concealment. So let's be clear. First, you because my, my own players have problems with this. You're making a use the force check, then actively making a perception check. Okay. That means that if someone has hidden, then you're actively searching for them. Succeeding on this ability would remove the effects of cover and concealment for the purposes of detecting them. Meaning you could, you know, you, you can now sense them hiding behind that box, even though you still can't see them and you still don't have line of sight. Okay, and what's more, this can't be done as a reaction, as you mentioned. This has to be an active ability. The use the force check requires a swift action, and per the persuasion skill, page seventy of the core rulebook, you then take a standard action to actively look and listen for your enemies. And hey, look, with no cover and no concealment, you're probably going to detect them, okay? They, they can't stealth without it, and a straight DC to notice a medium creature is a DC 5, plus 5 for every 10 squares away from them, away from you they are. So, there you go. What, what does this all mean? This means basically this. Sense surroundings is not the end-all, be-all of Jedi badassery, as some have claimed. You know what? When a Jedi senses surroundings, he is cinematically closing his eyes, concentrating very hard. In other words, spending both a swift and a standard action. And that's how it should be. A force user shouldn't automatically be fracking immune to stealth. It should cost them something, and it does. It costs them actions on their turn. So to lay it out, if you've got a heroic Jedi and an NPC bad guy that's hiding from him, the Jedi cannot use sense surroundings as a reaction. All he can do is a perception check as a reaction. Cover and concealment would thus still apply. But if he starts to get an idea, there's a hidden phone nearby, and he pauses on his own turn to concentrate, spend that swift, spend that standard to sense surroundings, and then make his perception check, he's probably very easily going to perceive the hidden foe. So that's a bit of a complicated process, but, I mean, does that does that make sense to you guys? It makes perfect uh, sense, dude. What do you think? Have you, guys, have you guys had problems with that in the past? Yes, I'm... Still trying to figure it out. <laughs> uh, so, if I get this right, if if I'm playing a Jedi and I uh, use the Force to sense the surroundings and then do a perception check, mm -hmm. I am no longer flat-footed against somebody that I perceived hiding in the dark behind a set of boxes. Correct. You know they're there, but, but you don't have line of sight on them. So it's like you can sense that they're there, so you're not flat-footed, but by the same token, I couldn't all of a sudden blast them with force lightning because I don't have line of sight. Okay. Got it. That makes sense to me. You know, yeah. I guess just from a KISS perspective. Yeah, I think so. That KISS perspective. That Gene Simmons perspective. Oh, wait, no, that's a no, different KISS. No, no. Oh, no. We had to bring conjure that image up, did we? Oh, okay, so on, onward. Onward. The lions, are, the lions are closing in, so Antelope asks his second question before he goes off into the bush. Destiny. The mechanics Ooh. are straightforward, but how can a GM or a player make best use of these rules? I should add a sidebar that maybe your GM ignores those rules. How can hey. we capture the feel of epic destiny? How does it add to the storyline? Basically, I'd really value a discussion about how to use the destiny mechanic to enhance the Star Wars feel of a game or even drive plot and scenario hooks. The Star Wars Saga Edition core book is quite brief about this, and Dawn of Defiance seems to treat destiny as a mechanical aside. 
Well, 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 that is an excellent question, sir. And it's going to fit rather nicely into this week's discussion. <laughs> and we'll come back to it. Oh, see, now that's what they call in Radioland a tease. Oh, that's what they, I thought that's what they called TG. <laughs> Bada-bing, bada-bing. Boom! Bada-bing, yeah! Whoa. Somebody needs to move their mic a little bit away from their face. Sorry. Okay. What are we doing now? Are we going to... Oh, yeah, never mind. You know what? What? I went to... Um, I was going to Tatooine, but I uh, unexpectedly uh, <clears throat> hit a meteor. Oh, and uh, yeah, we had to make a crash landing on Naboo, unfortunately. So um, I was hoping oh. that one of you guys, uh, one of you guys, wound up going to uh, to Tatooine. Is that possible? Potentially, potentially. Are we done with questions? Do we have any more? No, that's it. Oh, okay. That's all the. Right. Well, you know what? I take that back. I, I have one. Uh, I have one that came in. Well, I don't know. You mentioned that. Yeah, you you mentioned we had a caller, but I didn't know if it was a bumper or if it was a a question. No, no, no. It was a question, and it was, but it was a little bit long. And uh, it's our resident professor, um, Elias Winrider. And so oh. I suppose I'll go ahead and play it right now. Hello, this is Elias Winrider. Uh, saying hi, uh, GM Dave and GM Chris. That's us. Uh, I've got two questions for you this <laughs> week. Uh, one is about uh, both of them about. Uh, a blaster cannon. Uh, first one, the easy one, I guess, is uh, blaster cannon, a splash weapon. The description of the of the effects in the core book is identical to a splash weapon, but it doesn't actually say the word splash. Uh, because there is a new talent, I think, uh, breach cover or something like that in the uh, Clone Wars campaign guide. That use uh, which can work with splash weapons, in addition to grenades and other things like that. Uh, the second question is: Do you gain the benefits of aiming with uh, a blaster cannon? It is an area effect weapon, and I seem to remember some kind of rule somewhere, maybe it was in the errata, that you do not gain the normal benefits of uh, aiming with area effect weapons. Uh, I'm not sure that maybe I'm misremembering, but uh, even if that's the case, is, uh, say, Deadeye one of the normal effects of aim? I mean, you do spend a feat to get purchased that ability. It's not something like ignoring cover. Uh, so, once again, uh, thank you for answering the questions, uh, and uh, peace, love, and good gaming. Peace, loving good gaming, dude. Plague. Um, plague. Um, that's a, a couple good questions, and to answer them very quickly and easily, um, the errata did indeed say that uh, the a blaster cannon was a splash weapon, so it is a splash weapon, and the errata also specifies very clearly that you gain no benefit from aiming when using an area attack. No benefit. Period. End of sentence. Doesn't matter whether the benefit comes from a feed or a talent or anything else. You gain no benefit. Therefore, dead eye, things of that nature, not going to have much effect with it. So, right. Go errata. Go errata. Go errata. I like it. I like it a lot. 
I like it a lot. It's awesome sauce. <laughs> it's awesome Excellent. with a capital A, baby. Baby. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, um, back to the back to the question at hand again. I jumped the gun, and I do apologize for doing so <laughs> on this very disjointed Order sixty six episode. I'm just I'm just distracted with TG in the house. Oh, well, men do that. You should see her when you're actually in the same room with her, though. There's a lot to be distracted by. Men do that. (laughs) What? I said yikes. There you go. Okay, so... This is Watto for Watto's Bargain Basement, and I want you to come on down to Tatooine this week for our big special sale. Tell them Java sent you and you get a free chance cube. We got the deals for you. Come on down to Watto's Bargain Basement. What do you know? Well... Okay, I was wow. lying. I was lying. I did finally make it to Tatooine, even though we had to make a brief stop on Naboo. <laughs> That's right. Well, know. I'm glad you got there. How is Watto doing? Oh, he's doing fine. I, um, you know, I went over. I did take the opportunity to go over the uh, falls in Thede in a barrel. Dude, really? And yeah. you survived? I survived. I used the I'm force. Impressed. I did have to use the force, and uh, but anyway. That's awesome. Have you have you been to a Tatooine, TG? I don't know if I know. I know I've never taken you, but uh, I don't know if you you know went there in your sundry days as a youth. No, can't say that I've made it out to Tatooine. Oh, you see, you water or at like least you. as far as I remember. I mean, there could have been one night, a little bit. Yeah, Karelian ales. Karelian ales, a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, Dave. What did you bring back from Watto's, man? Well, you know, you can't always be James Bond, right? Speak for yourself. And, um, well, dude. Um, and, <clears throat> but I figured we might take a look at the concealed dart launcher. And it is found on the Legacy Era Campaign Guide, page number 65. It's an exotic weapon. And it is very much a wrist-strapped dart launcher, which is very easily concealed under your clothing. It's very easy to hide, very, very small. You get a plus five bonus to stealth checks to conceal it. So. That's small. It is. Guess what? It only weighs half a kilo. That's very small. Yep. And illegal and highly expensive. 1,900 credits. Damn. Okay. So let's get to what it actually does. It holds a bundle of six darts that come pre-coated with a sedative that deals 3d8 of stun damage. But unlike other stun weapons, the method of delivery means that you're not limited to six squares. It has the range of a pistol. That's not bad, huh? No. But here's the cool thing. You can coat the darts with other poisons or toxins. Ooh, so Malkite Poisoner Talent Tree, here I come. So what you're saying is this is basically like a a wrist-mounted flechette launcher that that shoots poison-tipped 
darts. Yeah. That's freaking awesome. That means don't piss off Dave. Right. <laughs> well, we know that anyway, but yeah, now we have one more reason just not to piss off Dave. <laughs> among Very other things. Nice. You know, hey, among other things, right? Okay, so um, you know what else we got, guys? We got an email. Really? Yes. And so I shall kick off for the first time in I don't know how long. When good games go bad. How about that? Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. All right. When's the last time you did when good games go good? Um, well, I honestly don't remember. When have we done a good games, a games go great segment? Do you, do you remember? It, it's, it's been a little while. And to be frank, we actually got a couple good ones in. Um, but this, this came in via email and it was just too, too good. Um, but I don't know. I think we'll, I think we'll have one coming up in the future. Wait. It's been a couple months. I'm, I'm confused. Oh, swell. That's great. Hey, that's awesome. When good games go great. <laughs> cracks me up. I just, I just, I just played that because I know how much it cracks you up. <laughs> the very last sound. <laughs> Love it. Okay, now wait a second. You said this was good, but you said it's good games go bad. No, no. Th- this is a this is a good when good games go bad. Like this is very. Um, okay. You, you know what I mean. <laughs> it's a it's a very good example of when good games can go bad. Okay. Is that is that more is that more of a clarification there? Oh yeah, I like that a lot actually. That's very nice. All right, cool. That works. That works well. I like that. All right, so um, let me um, let me just go ahead and, and say this here. Um. We got an e- email here from uh, from Joseph Bargui. I'm not sure how to say his last name. I think, I think it's, it's Bargus. Maybe it's Bar. Bar- I, I don't know either. Maybe it's Bargus. 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 Barguis. Well, let's just call him Joe. <laughs> Joe Fox. F O X. Okay. He writes, Jim Chris. See, he didn't write this to me. All right. Joseph, you are no longer allowed to send email to the Order 66 podcast. Please address all email to Twilight Goodness from here forward. Thank you. <laughs> GM Chris, I found, I just found the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Oh, he's a new listener. Never mind. Joseph, thanks, thanks for listening to this show. Appreciate it. He's managed to listen to almost all of them, and he's six episodes behind. My group has decided to take a break from D&D for a while. Good. And one of my players, Jamie... In quotes, I think it's a fake name. Said he'd like to try Saga Edition. So, we play a lot of Star Wars minis, so we're on board. I was leery, because I really disliked the last Star Wars system, but went on to the bookstore and picked up the core rule book and decided to look through it. He was there for four hours. What an amazing game. I was completely blown away. So, I got on board, and so did the rest of my group. I'm always the GM, so I came up with a campaign, and we just finished our second session. But I don't know. It's just not playing out the way I want it to. I don't think this is a problem with the mechanics, 
but the rule structure is less defined than we're used to. Well, coming out of D&D is no surprise. We spend an hour, they spent an hour last game with the scoundrel arguing with the Jedi over whether he could use the Force to sense the scoundrel who was hiding. It's also hard to make NPCs because I'm not familiar with the rules. So when an NPC does something, my group questions whether or how they could do that, and I don't know the rules well enough to rattle them off yet. So I have to stop and look up the rule to explain why this is the case. It seems like we spend more time arguing over the rules than playing. Is there a quick rules reference or something like that that you can recommend for us to use? I love the podcast, by the way. I've encouraged my players to listen, too. I've learned so much from it. Let me know what suggestions you can give us. Thanks, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. So, anyway. Um, I'm just going to say one thing, and then I'll let you uh, speak, Mr. <laughs> GM. But, uh, Joe, <clears throat> F-O-X, you're the freaking GM! All right, go ahead. Hey, that was my thoughts exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, now, I, I got to preface this. I got this email from this nice fellow um, on Monday. And uh, he's asking for, hey, do you guys have rules primer? Something to that effect, you know, so I don't have to look things up all the time. I I wanted to talk to you on the podcast, Joe, Joseph, whatever you go by, because I, I think the problem here is the fact that you need a rules primer to look up. As my wonderful co-host said, you're the freaking GM. The problem here is the fact that your players are arguing with you to begin with. They don't need to be saying, well, how can that NPC do that? You just need to say, because they can. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. Th to me, this bespeaks of a greater issue of um, GM player responsibility in your game group. And um, I, I fear maybe it's just the way you guys play. Um, you got a lot I of mean, vinegar you, and water coming together in that group, pal. Yeah, I mean, do, do you guys get that same sensation? Yeah. Sensation. I don't know about that, but uh, same sense, yes. <laughs> it may not be a sensation, but you know what happens. Per se. You know, per, that, per se. That's the sound. When, when vinegar and water come together, you know that's the sound. And that sound is apparently all over that room. <laughs> you know what that sound is? What? Douche. Oh, snap. Oh, I'm not going to insult them. That's I don't think, a I don't, I don't think there's any douchery going on. This is, this is, I think this is the case of a genuinely nice guy who, who needs to sit down with his players and say, look, <laughs> do you want me to GM for you? Great. Then here's some ground rules we're going to cover. If you have a problem with the rules in game, I'm going to rule on it. And you know what? If you want to discuss it after the game, fine. We will. But first of all, the, I mean, you are the GM. You are the adjudicator. If you're playing, I mean, first of all, I don't want to talk about the fact that your players, are, the PCs are having issue arguing over each other about how the rules affect their perceptions of each other and, and things of that nature. That's just PC on PC. It's just ridiculous. But even then, you should be the one to adjudicate that. And you should be the one to say, look, this is how it's going to be. Don't argue with me about it. We'll talk about it later. We're going to play it out like this for right now. And if you'd like, we can talk about it more after the game. And just leave it at that. You need to take that level of control. This is, this is the reason we play RPGs instead of video games, in my opinion, at least. It's because of the fact that I can sit down at a table and I can do something crazy, whatever I want, that maybe the rules don't cover. And we have a live human being who can make the call. And if we don't know what the rule is supposed to be, we have a live human being who can make the call. 
and then you come back to it later. But that's just my 50 cents, man. And, you know, that and another 50 cents will get you a bag of chips. So. Oh. Well, then I'll, I'll give you enough to, give the re- to get the rest of the bag of chips. Um, it, taking control, I think, is a good idea. But from a player's perspective, uh, I've seen where when a player starts questioning the GM, maybe there's a breakdown in trust and whether mm-hmm. or not the GM is going to provide a fun time. So instead of questioning, well, you're not making this fun for me, GM, they're questioning the way the GM is putting together NPCs or the way they're ruling on specific situations. Right. So you think it's an issue of trust between the GM and the players? I think it's both. So the GM needs to just take control of the situation and be able to say nicely, hey, we'll talk about this later, but needs to remind them listen, just trust me and I will make sure that this is fun for you. So maybe the GM, I've seen, I've seen where the, the GM is trying to get the players. And when the players sense that, then they lose trust that the GM is trying to give them a good time. And instead they pick up that he's just trying to kill them. You mean the whole GM, like the GM is out to kill the players. What I, what I call the second edition Dungeons and Dragons mentality. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Thoughts, Dave? What do you think? Um, yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to kind of nut up and put his players in his place. And it, it's coming from the, the fact that they know the system so well in D&D, that god-awful piece of crap that it is. Oh, you're biased. I am. I happen so. to enjoy D&D. I happen to not enjoy it, so I'm right there with you, Dave. Beautiful. And, you know... Now, I'm not talking about 4th edition. I haven't had any experience with 4th edition. So, anyway, yeah, yeah. But, it, but they're used to a very strict rules setting where they know everything. And guess what, guys? This is, this is a lot more free form. And I'm going to guess that these guys don't know as much about Star Wars canon and backstories and cinematics and all that other stuff as they, you know, as they probably do about D&D. And so what he's got is a bunch of rules, rules lawyers who are practicing some severe douchebaggery and questioning the GM's authority. And so it needs to stop and it needs to stop right away. And that's just the way of it. You know, I mean, you know, finally you just close your book and you say, guys, you want me to GM your game or not? Mm-hmm. And that's, if, that's if, the if the answer is no, we're going to keep, we're going to keep hassling you about why somebody can do something. Then the answer is, uh, find yourself a new GM guys. And I'm taking my dice and you guys can, uh, kiss my butt again that's a good point in the chat room Seikos has a nice piece of wisdom he says that at the beginning of a session you sit down with your players and say okay guys I'm going to make this fun for you just trust me and let me make calls afterwards if it isn't fun you're free to kick me in the nuts <laughs> there you go see <laughs> that's fantastic It is. the little disclaimer at the end is really what adds to it uh, that's what gets it it's, it's, it's insurance policy you know you just want to make sure Yep, and to well, uh, to you streamer three three one four one five nine, which is obviously pie for those of you playing at home and scoring at home. He says playing by yourself is no fun, but it just depends on how you're playing by yourself. Oh, it's just you know sometimes. I, th- I think so I think he meant RPGs, and uh, you don't want to get me started on people. I've actually seen thread posting people talking about doing like like playing a Saga Edition game with just yourself. I don't know how you would do that. I mean, it's know, sort of like yeah. I, I guess if they're having a wonderful time, but they'd rather be whistling in the dark. No, whatever. 
<laughs> and with that, cool. Well, thank you for the When Good Games Go Bad segment, uh, folks. Good advice all around. And Joseph, dude. Seriously, I take this I take this advice to heart, man. I sincerely hope your players listen to the cast, um, and I sincerely hope that if they or you have any further questions or concerns, please let us know. Absolutely, yes. We'd love a follow-up conversation. We, we would, and we're here to help, so thank That's you. That's right. See, and next podcast, we're going to talk politics, Octomom, and a follow-up. <laughs> or not. Yeah. Dave. Or not. <laughs> So you know what that means? Oh yes, that means it's time for the carnitas. That's is that hey, is that that fancy Spanglish language? That's that fancy Spanglish language. You know they don't speak it. They don't speak it much anymore. But yeah, sometimes in those trailer parks, we talk Spanglish. Sometimes in those in the you know when I was growing up in the trailer park, you know I only grew up in two trailer parks. And they both got hit by tornadoes. But uh, we tried we tried to speak that Spanglish stuff, but. We know comprende that. <laughs> so let's blow a load of destiny in his face. Why not? It is your destiny. Okay. Um, well, Gamer Nation, we have received no less than three emails and four PMs in the last week since the release of episode 59, asking us to delve into the legacy destinies found in the Legacy Era campaign guide. And over the past year, we've also received no small amount of requests asking us to touch on Destiny, uh, such as Antelons, which we heard earlier. Um, we've spent docking bays past talking about Destiny points and you, but recently we've gotten some feedback asking for the best ways to incorporate Destinies into games, um, both from the cinematic and the mechanical aspects. Again, this is your podcast, Gamer Nation. We talk about what you want to talk about. Um, so, as much as I'm loath to break from our continuation of the Prestige class discussion, I am equally excited to be talking about Destiny mm. and all the goodness therein. Yeah. So, we're going to talk about some general Destiny mechanics and representing the Destiny theme in your games. And then we're going to delve into the legacy Destinies themselves and discuss ways to work them into your games in the best way possible. So, without further ado, you must now listen, Gamer Nation, for it is your Destiny. That's right. Something, something, something dark side. Something, something complete. That's pretty much the way it goes. Or <laughs> I was going to okay, go the well, other way of saying, I'm your density. I mean, uh, oh. de de destiny. Oh, yes. I don't know. I, I don't know. I think there's definitely some density going on, though. Now, of on course, occasion. Biff had to walk in right at that time. Okay, so. Okay, so are you a believer in fate? Do you think things just happen, that it's just a random chain of coincidence? Or do you think that there's a purpose behind everything and every action that happens? What do you... Oh, wow. Dude, that sounds just like the movie I saw on Friday. Ah, uh, the Nicolas Cage, yeah. Yep. But it's interesting, okay? And this is one of the seeming continual themes in Star Wars. Um, Predetermination. And I know, TG, you posted up a thread a while back on the forums I saw asking about, you know, what do people think is the general theme of Star Wars? And we had a lot of good answers come out of that. Yeah, we did. Um, but uh, predetermination is something that sticks with me. And I find that ironic because the films continually champion, you know, free will and the individual's choice and drive winning out against the machine, you know. But so much of the story seems to revolve around individuals discovering, embracing, rebelling against or fulfilling their destiny. And as such, I mean, Saga makes no bones about the importance of destiny, not only to Star Wars, but also to a good campaign. 
So I wanted to have a good discussion about this uh, with the pair of you. What what is the point of using a destiny in the game? Um, you know, can you use it to draw players into the story? How? And more importantly, do you think a player should know their own destiny? I think that yes, and yes, <laughs> <laughs> that a uh, wow. a player knowing their own destiny is, depends on the player. Some would probably. Uh, not like to know because they're going to try to min-max by knowing and others um, would like to know because it gives them the opportunity to um, role-play towards that destiny. Right. That's a good point. Dave? All right, here's my take on it. Yes, it can draw players into the story absolutely without question. However, I feel as though knowing what your destiny is and being able to choose destiny after destiny is not a good idea. Simply uh. because it promotes a degree of metagaming and also is what TG said as far as min-maxing. And I honestly, I'd like to figure out my density if I can. It would really kind of be a cool thing to be given clues along the way. You know, and, and if we had a GM that would apply the dent, uh, destiny rules properly, then I think we'd, we'd probably be getting a whole lot further in this oh, discussion. Oh, be quiet. probably enjoy using it a lot more if he yeah. Yeah, be quiet. So, I'm sorry, am, am I hearing that you two are not happy with the destinies I provided no, you? No, 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 it's, it's perfectly fine. We've gotten to choose our own destinies, and that's fine. I, I, I can live with that. But, uh, you know, there are... <clears throat> 24-hour powers and things, penalties. <clears throat> oh, my God. Yeah, you know, things like that that, you know, would really be fun to, especially if you, if we, we, we fulfill a destiny and then we get one, a new destiny. You fulfilled your destiny and now it's your job to find out what your new destiny is. And that would be really kind of cool. Yeah, we've done something in... We've done something to further our destiny, and we get the bonus. We've done something that completely goes away from our destiny, and we get a penalty. I would love to see that and figure it out for myself. Now, not every so single time. Like it's, so you're saying the bonus is as, as clues. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, when you figure it out and you fulfill your destiny, great, wonderful, awesome. Okay, and then the next time you get to pick another destiny, this is what I want to do. And then, you know, if you, if you manage to fulfill two or three or four destinies in the course of this 20-level campaign, then so be it. If not, then you're just a dumb schmuck wandering around wondering what your destiny is. Looks well, like 600 million people in the America right now. I don't know. Well, Luke Skywalker knows what his destiny is. It gets told to him. It is your destiny. Multiple times, well, yeah. Right? Lots of people, but lots yeah. of people are telling him what his destiny is differently. That's true. I mean, you know, Palps is like, it's your destiny to turn to the dark side. It is your destiny. Luke, it's your destiny to defeat Vader. And, and, and you, you must confront him and kill him. And neither one was his destiny. That's right. Because guess what? He decided what he wanted to do. His future wasn't written. Yes. Mm. So, you know, anyway. Well, no, you both bring up extremely good points, and, and this is kind of where I want to take this discussion next. Does the use of destiny limit a player character? 
does it take away? Now, now, TG, I know you've you and I have had some pretty heated discussions about this in the past, not necessarily relating to, relating to this, but relating to other things. In particular, when a mechanical choice is going to limit your role playing, does the use of destiny limit a player character's role playing options? If you if you if you know what your destiny is going to be, if you pick it, okay, and you're working towards it, can you possibly role play properly? Or more importantly, if you're constantly trying to figure out what your destiny is, and so you're intentionally doing things to try and see if you're moving further or closer to it, um, then can you truly role play your character at all? Thoughts, thoughts. Don't wait for the translation. Go. <laughs> well, uh, yes. Again, I'm saying yes and no. Uh, I think, and I'm probably going to take this stance on a lot of things. I think it depends on the player. Um, I tend to enjoy role playing, but I wind up min-maxing my characters, and so I do that with destiny points. So, or with with choosing destinies, find. A destiny that's going to fit in with what kind of bonus do I want once I achieve it, and and then sit around and hope that you put me in a situation that'll allow me to fulfill that destiny. And then if I'm in that situation, I'll role play it out that way. So it can be limiting in some ways, um, but if you have the right. But at the same time, I've seen other players, uh, Dave who plays his destiny out really well and it doesn't it it helps him define how he's gonna role play his character dave thoughts i um i don't have any thoughts on this issue i believe i've already spoken my point no i think it hinders i think it hinders role playing in such a way that i am focused on a I don't want to say it's a narrow vision, but when I know what my destiny is and I know, hey, I get to increase one stat by two points, by you know, that's a big deal for me. So I want to look for every opportunity I can to just further my destiny. Um, so I don't, from a cinematic standpoint, Yes. Okay. Luke. Every every bit of Luke's actions were to redeem his father. He that was his purpose. That was his goal. But I can't say that sitting here as a guy who's playing Star Wars Saga Edition, that I can get into my character so drastically that his purpose becomes that of what the destiny is. I'm still a guy controlling a PC who says I'm going to get a permanent stat increase of two points if I can fulfill this destiny. And at the end of the day, that's still in the back of my mind. And so, yes, I think it limits my role-playing in such a way that, you know, I'm just, that's my purpose. Now, I've written a backstory, like TG says. I've, I've written this backstory about my character. And my and I know, I know Salura so well that I know what he's going to do and when he's going to do it. And I am Salura. Yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't know, man. I, I I I would I would very much like to have a secret destiny somewhere along the way. And noted. If you were to say, okay, you've done something, and you're going to get a penalty now because it is in violation of your secret destiny. Whoa! All right, I'm going to think twice about that, and, and it's going to start my wheels turning. And yeah, it'll 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 send me down little whatevers. 
Yeah. Now, if I have a player chosen destiny of, let's say, redemption, and you give me a secret of destruction, well, I don't know how well those would go into, you know, unless 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 down the road you've got it planned out to where I have to destroy something to redeem someone, uh, you know, whatever. As long as they make sense, I'm not I'm not opposed to having a secret destiny at all. Okay. Well, fair enough. Okay, well, now that we set the stage for that, let's talk about something a little more crunchy. Um, you know, as you, what is it you said before? I blow a load of destiny in his face from one of our favorite When Good Games Go Great stories. Um, let's talk about the mechanics of destiny. Okay, now, Saga, to, to me, um, that's how I see it. It represents a character controlling their own fate through the use of destiny points. Right, and when your destiny is completed, you receive this permanent boost to yourself. And like it's like you guys are saying, with the 24-hour bonuses and penalties, when you get closer or further from the completion of your destiny, you gain temporary bonuses or penalties for your actions. Right. So the Star Wars universe, it seems, wants you to fulfill your destiny. So let's talk about destiny points themselves as a representation of fate. If if it truly if you guys are talking okay well, I want the universe to decide for me it's better for the role playing purposes then should you be free to spend destiny points at your own will is that a good way to represent the fulfillment of your own destiny if you don't know what your destiny is no mm. I that's I mean, a tough question yeah you can Why use them at your own will I mean that's what they're there for but the I think. If I, if I were to go and, and read the rules, if I spend a destiny point in violation or that's not in line with my destiny, I should garner a penalty. Does that make sense? Yeah. I can use them whenever I want to, but if I'm using it in such a way that it's not furthering my destiny, then so be it. I take a penalty. If I'm using it in such a way that it it is in tune with my destiny, great. But... So many times we're just we just use the destiny point because well this guy's really hard and we can't hit him. <laughs> TG thoughts? <laughs> you know that's a very accurate uh, depiction or observation, Dave. Um, it's interesting. I I think us controlling when we can use a destiny point is with the the mechanic of getting rewarded or punished based on how you use them makes sense because I can call on the gods to help me call on the force please help me in this situation and the force may you know help me but it's going to come back and smack me down for not following the fate the destiny that it set out for me that's the smackdown principle right there now, you both have clarified the reason I did things the way I did in my current game, and this is kind of why I was coming to this. Um, for those who uh, may have been following our alternate universe campaign, I laid out a, a house rule in the very beginning that basically said, okay, I'm going to run Destiny a little bit differently. If you guys take an action that moves you away from your destiny or towards your destiny, I'm not going to give you a bonus or a penalty just for taking the action. I'm only going to give you a bonus or a penalty based on how you spend your destiny points to move further or closer to, further away from or closer to that action. So in other words, like you said, Dave, if I spend the destiny point to uh, blow away a bad guy and my destiny is to redeem him, then 
that's obviously going to, you know, or, or, or it might have a sneeze redemption, something to that effect, then I'm going to suffer that penalty. That was my original brilliant thought, was it was like, okay, okay, because i trying to reconcile this in my head. If we consider that Destiny points are this mechanic, and yet with all the stuff we laid out earlier regarding um, Destiny, how do you reconcile those two? That was my brilliant solution. Now, having done it that way for nine months, I really want to change it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. See, now that's what I'm talking about right there. That's what we need. Now, exactly. And, and, and the reason being, because frankly, um, when you guys do spend destiny points, um, you're doing so, A, usually to save your own lives, in which case I really don't want to penalize you for that. I, I can't see, you know, wow, uh, gee, because you're, you're sure as hell are moving away from your destiny if you die in the pro. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, so either that, or if you do decide to blow somebody away, then, then you know, it's so far been you know furthering your destiny so yeah it hasn't quite been worked out the way i wanted to but you know this is why we why we blow and go and why we why we learn blow and go now speaking of this because this is this is leading into this next question when we talk about as what i've experienced so far obviously because you only get so many destiny points that those crucial decision making elements are not there as often for me to give the 24-hour bonuses or penalties Talk to me about destiny points, because we've had some discussions about this. Do destiny points come too often? Do they come too easy? Are they too powerful? Um, in particular, I know we've all noticed the, de the destiny point hoarding effect, you know, which is basically, you know, I'm saving all my destiny points for the BBEG. And so when that fight comes down, I've got five destiny points in the pipe and just bam, 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 they're dead. What do you guys think about that? Is the, you know, is it, is it a problem? And, you know, what are y'all, what are y'all's thoughts? No, I don't think it's a problem at all. You get, what, a destiny point a level? Yep. Okay. If you're only getting one BBEG per level, or one every five levels, then that's a problem with the GM and not the players hoarding. If you're, you're, I, no, I don't think it's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, what do you think? No, I think we're good. Um, no, they don't come too often. No, they're not too powerful. The BBEGs you're going against probably have a couple as well. And so that's a good point. You know, that's just the way it goes. Well, so what you're saying is basically, and if if I'm hearing this right, if if your players are able to hoard their destiny points, then they're not facing tough enough foes often enough. That's yeah. entirely possible, yeah. I think that's an accurate sum summarization. And so for people that have brought up those concerns about destiny point hoarding, I would say, well, gosh, be rough with your players. Force them to use their destiny points. Okay, they save lives. They're there for a reason. That's right. Um, and if you really find a problem with it, there is one house rule that I've seen. Um, I don't know if I like it a whole lot, but I've seen it, uh, that a character cannot possess more than three destiny points at any given time. Hmm... <laughs> I don't know about that. Oh, these two hoarders over here talking like, ah. <laughs> nah, I, well, my guy never has, like, any more than two. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. Honestly, I don't keep more than three, but if you're telling your players and limit, limiting them to three, then uh, there's been, okay, so instances where there's been um, a game where Dave's character doesn't get to um, 
play or play to the best of his abilities. And he gets to be used a lot, but in some instances, um, not challenged towards his destiny. So he might not use any destiny points that game. And he's most likely going to level. So the next level, just because the GM didn't put together a game where he was the most useful, he loses a destiny point. I don't think that's fair. Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't much care for the rule either, but it's it's out there. Just just one thought. So well, no, I'm 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 in agreement with you guys. And the chat room also is just unanimously going bad idea. Boo boo boo. Yeah, I, hate that I know. Rule. I saw that. I, I saw that. <laughs> I saw that stream in from the chat room as we were talking about that. Which is hilarious. Um, okay, so but talking about these 24-hour bonuses and penalties, let's delve now into how, when and how to award them because this has been one of the one of the key things. Um, so, for example, the Discovery Destiny has a 24-hour bonus of a plus one to your defenses for you and all allies within 10 squares, and a 24-hour penalty of minus one to your defenses. Okay, um, how do you go about awarding that? Now, Antalon, his email basically said in Dawn of Defiance, it's just a mechanical constraint. Um, you know that they say, okay, well, if your group did this, those with the discovery destiny get the you know the twenty four hour bonus, um, and that's how they deal with it. And for a module, that makes perfect sense. We've talked about my original house rule of awarding this stuff based on spent destiny points. There is so the, the real question is, okay, well, how do I determine whether you know if I don't want to do any of these things, how do I determine whether my players have have advanced enough to get the twenty four hour penalty or death or or, or or bonus. And I have one suggestion um, that I, I found useful. When the session is done and it's over, sit down and write your players' destinies, their personal destinies down on a sheet of paper. Then line by line, go through it and ask yourself with each and every one, hmm, did what they do this session get this person closer to their destiny or further away from it? Or really just kind of a moot point? You know, put a little negative or a positive or a zero next to it. If you have the negatives or the positives, that's when you award the penalties or the bonuses. Plain and simple. And that's the best thing I can recommend. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? No. No. Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> In other words, I guess we just said, uh, well said. Well said. Okay. Well, thank you. Well, okay, so aside from that, we talk about destiny completion. Now, this is something I really would like to get you guys input on. Input on. Complete. Com complete! How how often should a character complete a destiny? Once in their oh. career? Once every eight levels? Once every four to five levels? I mean, personally, I'm of the opinion, and one of the reasons I ran the, the destiny the way I do in my universe campaign and I'm a little stingy with the 24 hour bonuses is because of the fact that in y'all's game I'm giving you a completed destiny what every four or five levels yeah yeah, yeah. so I'm giving you know that's as, as a fair bonus what do you guys think I mean or, or, or should it be codified at all should the GM even have a general idea or should it just happen when it happens maybe it just happens when it happens I um, I would I tend to think that you give us too many I think um uh, yeah. Okay. Here's one in the chat room. It says like maybe twice in a twenty level campaign. Wow. You know See, that, that's a bit stingy for me. That's. I mean, but it's a big freaking deal. I mean, yeah, we're talking to BFD here. You know. Yeah. TG, what do you think? Yeah, I'm. I'm in agreement with Dave. I do think you tend to give them out a little bit too often. Four levels, four or five levels seems a seems a bit much. Um, Duly noted. What? I will. I will complete y'all's destinies. <laughs> 
fewer well, and farther in no, between. Just keep in mind, though, that's your style, though. Your style is such that it's a heroic game played by heroes, and you're realizing your destiny, and you're moving along, and your hero is becoming that much more powerful because that's the way you run your games. If you all of a sudden changed, I don't know that I would enjoy the game as much. Mm, very and true. so, I mean, I, you know, your games, I hold a certain expectation for. I've never played with Tenny or Brev or Cat or any of the others that are starting to GM now from our group. So I don't know what their style is yet. But, you know, I'm, as a Padawan learner from their GM Jedi Master, they're probably going to follow along the same lines because their teaching have uh, dictated that, you know, you fulfill destinies every five or six levels. Well, I don't know that I would do that. But that's just me. I I sincerely hope you don't. Now, in the in the chat room, uh, Palmetto Swamp Fox has asked, okay, well, look, how quickly did Luke realize his destiny by Return of the Jedi, and what level was he at the time he realized it? Well, Fox, I would argue that Luke had already fulfilled a destiny before Return of the Jedi. He had fulfilled his destruction destiny, which he did at the end of uh, A New Hope, t- to destroy the first Death Star. Um, and I, th- I think at that point, he started off with his redemption destiny. And see that? I think... More than talking about, you say, should it be codified? No, you shouldn't say this many levels is when you should receive it. It's when an epic action has occurred. And in the stories, in the games that you're running for us, it happens to be um, a movie is encased in about four or five levels. So one episode is four or five levels for us. And so once we get to that, that's the end of that movie, that episode. We've achieved our destinies. I think it makes sense. Some people it may take them ten levels to finish one episode. So it and sounds that, like it sounds like you're both you're both saying don't codify it. No. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, okay, then let's talk about when you actually do complete it, the benefits. They're pretty powerful. Um Okay, for example, the Discovery Destiny grants you a permanent plus one bonus to all your defenses. All right? I want to talk about two things, and two things because you both have experienced them, and so I want your opinions on this. First and foremost, Twi'let goodness. I want to talk about the Education Destiny. (laughs) And I want to talk about uh, that nice little min-maxing character comment you had. Um, You know, when, when you complete the Education Destiny, you get a plus five destiny bonus to a skill check of your choice all right therefore if you have you know if you're first level and you have skill focus and training you're at a plus 15 guaranteed is this too powerful no first level (laughs) wait a second first level someone's going to fulfill their destiny first level but you understand what i'm saying as far as the as far as the power creep goes you're getting an extra plus five to that skill check and if it's a skill like use the force i mean for pete's sake something so crucial to the game you know or initiative or or pilot if you're an ace pilot i mean it's a plus five permanent bonus to a skill check is it too powerful well let's see did luke after destroying the death star become that much more well, the Luke didn't have education. Well, that destiny. was destruction. I'm, I'm didn't talking, have education. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm specifically talking about the education destiny. Do you think that benefit is too powerful? Both of you. Um, plus five to a skill is a little. Yeah, it's a little. Yeah, I guess it is. Well, you, 
you can take a feat to get plus five to a skill. So yeah, well, the, but that's a the destiny thing. takes you. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Putting I'm, yourself yeah. on on you know Basically, on death's feat. door, life or limb. So right. you should. It it costs a lot to yeah to get that plus five. I guess it is. Yeah. No. Never mind. I'm I'm good. I'm good with five. Five plus five <laughs> to a skill because it is. I mean, you put it in those terms. Yeah, it is just a feat. Well, yeah, but you can still take the feat. That's the difference. And who hasn't taken the feat? I mean, seriously. I mean, if it's a skill, you're going to put that plus five in. Don't tell me you're not already trained in it. Don't tell me you don't already have skill focus in it. So, I mean, is it is it reasonable or even balancing for a an eighth level noble TG to have a plus twenty eight to a persuasion check? <laughs> It's awesome. That's what it is. <laughs> because she's fulfilled her destiny, and it is such that, yes. All right. Well, th these are good points. Okay, Dave. Well, then let me you, ask, as a GM, are are going to write if you want to challenge her. Then her skill checks just need to be that much higher because they're harder. <laughs> well, it would make sense too. I mean, if she's that good at being persuasive, she wouldn't be dealing with little minions that can easily be persuaded she'd be dealing with people that would be more difficult to have to talk to and persuade how fourth edition of you right but oh snap <laughs> um, <laughs> <That> hurt. <laughs> eh, well you know what um i get this to say a plus you know a plus 28 to persuasion check you're averaging a 38 that's higher than the will defense of most level 20s so yeah but I want to talk about this, Dave. I want to talk about the other big destiny I wanted to talk about, which is important to you, the redemption destiny. Okay? Why, is that, why is that important to me? Because it affected your character. And you got to see it firsthand when Kat's redemption destiny went off. And it happened to save your character from the dark side. Right. The benefit of redemption destiny is that you gain all the force points that the redeemed character lost. Is this too weak? I've heard a lot of people bitch about this, the fact that it really isn't a permanent bonus because once you level, all those force points are gone. No, yeah, that is, that is absolutely lame. Yeah, and I mean, it's a pretty iconic destiny. I mean, so do you think it's lame? You think it's you think it's too weak? No, actually, the, in the way I read it, the way I read it was that you gained uh, force points equal to the ones that were lost for the other person permanently. Mm -mm. Okay. Well, yeah, treated, if that's, if that's like the case, then it's absolutely lame. <laughs> I agree. One hundred percent lame. That's not a destiny. That's a uh, that's a twenty four hour bonus, if that. Right. Yeah, I went to your level. Yeah, absolutely. And considering that you probably leveled while completing your uh, destiny. That's it. You know what? This whole system sucks, Rodney. I hate you. <laughs> TG, what do you think? <laughs> I think Dave's being snarky now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I agree. I think it's not permanent enough. So either the additional five force points you get, that they should stay there until you use them. And then once you use them, they're gone. So there may be bonus five, but it shouldn't go away once you level. Or you... If you get, you know, five force points plus whatever the bonus is, that gets added to six force points per level. So every level now you get an additional force point. 
from here on out. So upping your force point bonus per level or making those extra ones permanent until you use them, something like that. Something mm -hmm. more permanent. Well, there's a few house rules out there for those who really dislike the completion bonus for this destiny, and I happen to agree with the majority of them. One of them is basically giving your, as, as a completed destiny bonus, gaining an extra force point every single time you get a level, okay? Another one which I happen to like and have already used myself is that the force points you gain, if you happen to level in the process of completing your destiny, those force points will carry over to that next level. You're not going to lose them right away. Still in. So... <laughs> but that is um that is the the gist of that so okay well interesting to hear you guys say that okay well okay now we spent some time really delving into this and talking about it let's take a brief moment i just want to cover some basic thoughts i had about the destiny of the story itself working destinies into your campaign if we can say that destiny is such a big part of the cinematic star wars vision why wouldn't we put it into a cinematic campaign and what's the best way to do that okay now we've talked about player chosen versus gm secret destinies okay so uh, granted a, a player should never know their specific destiny and and that uh that makes good sense but <sighs> choosing their general destiny could be a way to encourage buy-in for the story and character motivation okay so my destiny is destruction but not destruction of the embers of all cult but then again, you guys seem to be a proponent of secret destinies. And recently, more than one of my players has asked me for this. You know, I, oh, GM Chris, I want a secret destiny. Okay, well, what does it add to the experience? Well, apparently it adds quite a lot because it allows you to, as you guys are saying, role play that character that much better. It becomes an exercise in fun. And you're only going to gain the benefits of that by role playing and, and taking your character down a certain path. The bottom line takeaway from this, Gamer Nation, is that when you're going to incorporate destinies, you need to talk to your players beforehand. Find out what they would enjoy and what they would prefer beforehand. You want to do GM Secret Destinies? You want to do Player Chosen Destinies? You want to do both? All for both? Why not? Ultimately, destinies are the greatest tool a GM has to drive his story. Okay. Rewarding players for taking certain actions is the best way to ensure they continue with those actions and continue on the path of the story you have created. It is the non-railroad way to railroad your players. Yeah. <laughs> and they'll thank you for it. Um, so there you go. Well, to wrap up this discussion, the, the, I, I, wanted, I really did want to talk about um, building a legacy. So open up your Legacy Era campaign, guys, younglings, to page 21. And let's talk about the new Legacy Destinies. Um, the Legacy Era Campaign Guide opened a whole new Destiny option to players wanting it. Um, the ability to, to really play a, a real part in the history of the Star Wars universe. You are a descendant, an heir to a legacy written by your ancestors and their great deeds. The tales of their doings have resonated with you all your life. Okay. And so we have these legacy destinies. Now, what are the big differences between legacy destinies and regular destinies? A couple things. First and foremost, when you choose a legacy destiny, you must choose whether or not you're going to embrace it or whether you're going to deny it. All right. Much of the character struggle with Star Wars heroes with a legacy is that they're working desperately to either try and fill big shoes or they're working feverishly to divorce themselves of these expectations. Think about it and make that decision. And that's how you're going to react. Now, when choosing a legacy destiny, you need to decide whether you're going to be embracing it or denying it. And that's a, that's a, like, what, what is it you said earlier? It's a BFD? Yeah. 
a big freaking deal because it really defines who your character is. And the book is very specific on the fact that once you make this choice, it's pretty much made. Changing that choice is a very, very, very rare thing. And although it could be a defining moment for that character, a GM should discourage ever changing your opinion as far as, as far as embracing or denying more than once. And it's a jarring thing too. If you do so, you actually suffer for it. Um, if you change from denying or embracing or vice versa, um, you suffer a, a penalty for 24 hours. You may not benefit from any morale or insight bonuses, and you may not gain the benefits of any re-rolls of any kind of attacks or skill checks, uh, regardless of the source, whether it's a talent or a feat or a racial ability, anything. But the big difference between legacy destinies and regular destinies, no permanent fulfillment bonus. And I really do like this because we've had this discussion about how it can be a little overpowering with all these bonuses stacking up. When you have a legacy destiny, you do not gain any bonuses for completing your destiny. So why do it? Because an heir to a legacy is defined by very special actions, which let you use your destiny points in special ways. So let's let's move on to that. First and foremost, I want to preface this by asking each of you a question. And Dave, I, we already we already know the answer because I asked you this um, last week when we had uh, our wonderful special guests on the show. But just for the edification of the Gamer Nation, who is your greatest hero in the Star Wars universe? Mine. Yes. Mace Windu. Really? Yep. Awesome. Okay, the Mace Windu. TG, what about you? Wow, that's a tough question to try to answer in five seconds. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come back to that. I, I know what it. I know what yours is. Yeah, you know what mine is. Mine's R two D two. Of course. Far and away, the guy who always saves the day. For for me at least, what really draws me to Star Wars role playing is the fact that I'm a Star Wars geek, and so role playing in this universe allows me to live out some of that fantasy you know what i mean you know where i can build up a character that it's like i I know i can't be luke skywalker but i can i can be luke skywalker's grandson or his great grandson or his his nephew three times removed (laughs) what what is it rodney said last week you know the the son of skywalker you know it's always you know this 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 legacy is a very endearing thing and thus when you're choosing a legacy destiny you pick a lineage um, and this is a great opportunity to really fulfill that dream of yours. You oh, pick a lineage. Mm-hmm. Never mind. Yeah, it has to be Yoda. Sorry. Oh, really? Yeah, it has to be Yoda. Sorry. Sorry, Mace. Uh, I, the purple lightsaber is really cool, but Yoda. Yeah, very, very true. Yeah. So, well, there you go. So you you pick you pick a a lineage. So let's say it is Mace. Let's like say you pick the Windu lineage. And although your destiny is not a legacy destiny for you know, the Windu legacy, you when you complete your destiny, you get no bonus whatsoever. But while you're actively completing it and trying to either you know rebel against it or embrace that destiny, you can do something other players cannot. And this is what is cool about the legacy destiny. You can spend a force point to do something ridiculous, something no one else can do unless they you know have obviously a similar legacy destiny. Uh, for example, the Skywalker legacy, and these are outlined in the book. Um, if you are a recipient of the Skywalker legacy, you can spend a destiny point to treat your next use the force check as a natural 20. Nice. Absolutely huge. Yeah, you Absolutely. get all your force points back. 
yeah, if you're activating a power, you get all your powers back. Damn skippy. So, very, very cool. And keep in mind, you can't spend destiny points to do this. Um, <clears throat> I keep, I mean, and, and, as is clarified on page 113 of the core rulebook, the only thing you can do with destiny points, automatically score a critical hit, automatically negate an attack, act out of turn, automatically take damage intended for another character within your reach. A lot of people forget about that one. And also spend a destiny point to immediately gain three force points. Okay. So this is new things you can do. The, the, the Akbar legacy. It's a Wait, trap. Let me guess. Let oh. me guess. You can roll a natural 20 to search for traps. Huh? <laughs> no. Uh, no, you automatically fail when searching for traps. Oh. That's what yes. it is. That's what it is. Yes. Or either that, or you automatically get to roll a natural twenty when you say concentrate all fire on that superstar destroyer. <laughs> okay, there's too much snark. You're both out of the cast. God. Hey, hey. I think Dave's the only one that has the authority to kick anybody out. No, nah, I'm not controlling the Skype today. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Snap. Um, Although I but could no, the, just the, do uh, the, the Akbar legacy is actually really cool. Um, so Akbar, if you read the EU and all that, he's actually a really famous commander and he's very good uh, naval commander. So it, it, with the Akbar legacy, you can spend the destiny point to double any morale, insight, or competence bonus that you grant. Which is nice. kind of interesting. Insight? Really? Yeah. Any bonus you grant to another character. Yeah. Okay. Just because you're, you're you're an awesome commander like that. The Antilles Legacy, if you're a big fan of Wedge, um, spend the destiny point to treat your next pilot check as a natural 20. Oh, see, and here I thought it was going to be spend your spend a destiny point to conveniently be taken out of a fight so you don't die. <laughs> Sorry, Wedge, we have books to write about you. Um, another one I really like is the uh, the Sunrider Legacy from Nomi Sunrider. Obviously, um, spend the Destiny point obviously. to grant all allies in line of sight bonus hit points equal to fifteen plus your charisma bonus for the rest of the encounter. Right. Wow. Oh, that's yeah. a, hey, that's a great question in the chat room. How does the Akbar Legacy work if you're denying it? If you're denying the legacy. Well, no, you, that, that's the thing. You, you're still the benefit of it. You just want to try and exemplify it. And that's one of those things. It's very iconic. Okay, like, okay, Cade Skywalker is denying his legacy. But the fact of the matter is, when he needs to pull, he use the force check out of his butt, he's going to roll a 20 because he's a Skywalker. All right? Oh, okay. All right. All right. And the same thing with Akbar. You're a natural leader. You can never get rid of that. That doesn't mean your character doesn't hate it, though. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's kind of cool. But, okay, so what are the common themes here, all right? Because they only list about 20, okay, um, of legacies in the book, okay? Using a destiny point to get a 20 on a skill check, very, very common. Using a destiny point to increase your movement or your survivability. Or using a destiny point to radically buff your allies is another big common. So let's talk about creating your own legacies, because that's really where it comes down to. This book, again, only lists about 20 sample legacy destinies, but it encourages, to, it encourages you to build your own. And there's countless heroes of the Star Wars universe that can provide a lineage. Countless, okay? So our recommendations on creation of a legacy destiny. Now, page 23 of the Legacy Era Campaign Guide does outline a great sidebar for things to consider when you're creating a legacy um, to cover what it says, okay? And, and, and we'll, we'll build on that. So first and foremost, pick your lineage. Remember, you're an heir to an ancestry. Pick a hero. This is a great chance to live up to the dream that we many, many of us have and live out the legacy of your favorite Star Wars character. Okay, Or maybe a prior character you've created in the past. Donovan Morningfire, I'm looking at you. Okay, um, that yeah. works, though, for 
characters who uh, most likely didn't have heirs. I mean, I finally figured out my hero of Star Wars, Qui-Gon Jinn. Ah. Well, who's... But he couldn't really have a lineage. Well, no. Okay, well, let's say I'm I'm Joseph Jinn. I'm Qui-Gon's nephew. Oh. Okay. Okay. Again, it's shared ancestry in some way. It's very loose. I mean, keep in mind, it's really a role-playing constraint. I mean, there's some of these lineages in this book that aren't even blood lineages. They're clan lineages. If you're talking about, like, you know, Ewoks or Gamorreans or something like that, um, where it's, you know, God knows who the mother and father is. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, stuff stuff like that. And be creative with it. Like, there's there's a Fett lineage in here for Boba Fett. If somebody wanted to play a clone or a descendant of a clone, you're darn sure I would let them use the Fett lineage. Okay? Yo, that's Fett. It's Fett. It's Fett. It's Fett. But pick your lineage. Okay? <laughs> um, but don't pick your nose. Don't yeah. Pick yeah. Your lineage. You can pick your nose, but don't pick your lineage's nose. And according to the chat room, Joseph Jin is the worst name ever. <laughs> Thank you. I am now going to create a character called Joseph Jin. <laughs> That's right. So after you've chosen a lineage, consider restrictions to the lineage. Okay, now these should be few, but every listed legacy, every listed lineage does have a restriction, and usually it's a racial. So a Rodian can't exactly be part of the Skywalker lineage. Okay, you're not human, you're a Rodian. Um, stuff like that. A, an Ewok cannot be part of the Baka lineage, although... Maybe he's a midget Wookiee. I don't know. A midget Wookiee? Yeah, sure. <sighs> so once you've considered your restrictions and you've gotten that down, create a destiny point use. Now, keep in mind, you are giving up a permanent destiny completion bonus for the chance to make, one, a cool role-playing choice, and two, to use destiny points in a very cool way. So my advice use the base legacies as templates okay a natural 20 on a skill check is easy and powerful now other things might be tempting to do there's some pretty radical stuff in there but be sure to weigh them in power to the existing legacies add a penalty if you need to well in my opinion one of the more powerful destinies is that of the of vow like mission vow and, and shadow vow later in legacy era um that legacy destiny allows you to spend the destiny point and regain all your lost hit points <laughs> That. Drink? Is it drink? Oh. Is that a drink? Wow, that was really bad. Dude. Good job. Sorry. God, I love the production value of this show. It's great. Well, the whole problem was that I had anyway. I have them all listed in order, and this one just kind of all of a sudden just ended. Anyway, because we've been talking so long, I just you know, <laughs> drink immediately. Yeah, uh, just drink, listen drink. to that. Yeah, look at the chat room go. Okay, sorry. Well, no, so the, the the Vow Legacy allows you to spend the Destiny Point and regain all lost hit points. Holy crap. Dude, that's pretty good. Yeah. How often can you do that? You can do it by spending a Destiny Point. Eh. That's like a but, super second win. But, 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 when you do it, you take a minus two to attacks and skill checks for the remainder of the encounter. So that's the balancing act. Is that a really powerful ability? Yes, but there's a penalty associated with it too. So consider that when you're creating your own destiny point uses. Right? That's right. And lastly, make it fit. Your lineage was known for something. Be sure that your destiny point use fits with that. The Jack Porkins legacy would make little sense if you could use it to reroll jump checks. Um, I, what would uh, it? Jump, what I'm, would I'm it, guess, it It could. I mean, it could 
you could be unnatural twenty to put away the groceries. <laughs> Maybe, but no. Porkins was a good pilot. If if I was going to make Porkins, it would obviously be natural twenty on a pilot check. But you know, again, just just make it fit with the legacy. That person was known for something. Make it fit. And lastly, and most importantly. Work with your GM to do this. Don't go to them and say, this is my legacy destiny. Say, hey, this is what I kind of was thinking about. Do you have yeah. any suggestions? Yeah, work because with your destiny. Because yeah. ultimately, you know, they're the gatekeepers. They're your GM. So work with them, and it can be a lot of fun. Ultimately, yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you for uh, taking the time to jabber with me about destinies. I kind of went hog wild when coming up with our discussion topics for this evening because I was really inspired by Antelon's email and a lot of the questions we've had. And I'm really just totally stoked about these legacy destinies. I think they're a lot of fun. And the use of destiny in your campaign can not only be a great tool to push your story forward, but also give your players a really good time. And yep. ultimately, that's kind of what it's about. Yep. So, any parting thoughts? Um... No. You can pick your lineage and you can pick your nose. Just don't pick your lineage's nose. Word of advice to everybody. Very nice. So, TG, did you have a uh, a hero? Yeah, I said it earlier. Qui-Gon Jinn. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Qui-Gon Jinn. That's, yeah. yeah, that's what gets you started on Joseph Jinn or whatever the heck. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Joseph Jinn. I love it. Well, oh. I want to take the time to thank uh, too many of you to mention that left us five-star reviews on iTunes. Knock on wood, we have still have yet to receive anything but a five-star rating on iTunes. We appreciate it, as always. Gamer Nation, keep those iTunes reviews coming. We appreciate it as always. And yes, this is the end of another show. Hmm. Oh, it's sad. Parting is such Th- sweet sorrow. I know. Thank you guys for listening. If you guys have any questions for the D20 Docking Bay or any show topics you'd like us to discuss, or any bumpers that you'd like to leave, please, of course, give us a call at the Lusa line, 206-600-5872. Or email us, gmchris at d20radio.com or gmdave at d20radio.com. And thanks for listening. Right. I want to thank TG for joining us this fine evening. Always. And it providing, was providing her wit to wisdom and... Uh, distraction. Rep- <laughs> dis- distraction. And uh, this is GM Chris wishing everyone peace, love, and good gaming. That's right, Gamer Nation. Keep them dice rolling. Thank you very much to... Alex and Trevor, although I have blown you guys off two weeks in a row, I promise we're at two hours now. I just don't have the time to pop it in. I promise you guys we will find it, find a way to get the next Fragments on the Rim in the next show. I promise. Okay? Yes, my, my bad, Alex, Trev. I apologize. I rambled like a fool. A blithering fool, I might add, but, you know, it's okay. We had a good discussion. <laughs> We had a great discussion. So, until next time, guys, keep them dice a-rolling. Hey, everybody. This is S. Dorsher from the forums, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. I'm too busy trying to get my lap back on D20 Racing. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. www.d20
d20radio.com. This podcast and related websites are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or Wizards of the Coast, and are intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars site can be found at StarWars.com. The official Wizards of the Coast site can be found at Wizards.com. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, D20 logo, D20 system references, all named pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademark and or copyright of Lucasfilm Limited, Wizards of the Coast, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast and its related website, including graphical, textual, audio, and visual information, is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast. Daydreaming with GM Dave. I really need a new intro for that, you know? It's become <laughs> tiresome to me. Get your editing skills on it, Master Man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so... Anyway. Daydreaming, huh? Yeah. Originally, I you know, I spouted off one of the topics for daydreaming... Um, with uh, with the fact that the uh, you know the CEO for for GM is getting ready to uh, be asked to resign, and I really don't know why they're not asking the Chrysler GM to resign because personally I don't like that guy. Why does he have a bad haircut? No, because I was a uh, I have I was a uh, shareholder of uh, Home Depot during its meteoric rise in the late nineties and. Subsequent fall under the Nardelli administration, and uh, Bob Nardelli uh, took his golden parachute and got the hell out of Dodge just in time, and then went to Chrysler and has proceeded to wreck it as well. So if there's a CEO that needs to be ousted on his tuchus, Nardelli's the guy. It's that guy. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, uh, I don't have a problem with them asking a. CEO to resign if you have to get taxpayers to bail your ass out. But he he damn no he damn well better not have any kind of bonus to go with it. You know, but yeah. you know, here again, there's a there's a certain part of me that would be, you know, more political conservative in nature saying that government inter- interfering with uh, private industry is a bad. But I don't know, desperate times, man. This is the worst economic downturn since the 20s. I know it. It's getting kind of crazy. People are getting worried. People it's, are losing their jobs. It's getting hot in here. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, you know, whatever. Whatever, whatever, whatever. And so, and that goes, and that goes without saying. Okay, so you went to go see, um, uh, uh, oh God, what's it called? The Nicolas Cage movie. Uh, knowing. Uh, knowing, yes. And was it your standard Nicolas Cage fare? Um... Sort of, but not really. I'm Nicolas Cage. I, I'm I mean, secretly a demon on a motorcycle. I'm secretly a secret agent. I'm an assassin. I'm a chemical weapons expert. I'm he. Okay, he Nicolas reprised Cage. a little bit of the uh, the Rock, a little bit of his, but not the not the whole, not the whole. Well, gosh, you know, I mean. Maybe, I don't know. I, I don't know. You know, when he was, you know, doing that whole Dr. whatever, what's his nuts? I don't I forgot the name of the Stanley Goodspeed. 
when he was Stanley Goodspeed. You know, he'd be uh, like, you know, he would never cuss. Did you notice that he he would never cuss, yeah, and he'd be yeah. like, you know, how in the name of Zeus's butthole did you get out of your cell, right? Okay, well, here again, he's playing a character that very cusses very, very little. In fact, I don't even remember him actually cussing, but I'm sure he did at one point in time. Um, <laughs> but it's it's a, you know, he's playing this mathematical genius MIT professor guy. And who's very, very cynical because his wife died before the movie ever started. And anyway, the the idea is, I'm sure you've seen the trailer, so I'm not giving anything away, that this girl is has a gift or you know some would say schizophrenia that hears voices in her head and she writes down these numbers and and it turns out that the numbers are dates followed by the number of people who are going to die in a certain geographic in a certain disaster whether it's a plane crash or a fire or whatever and then the next set of digits is a location flat long of where it's going to happen so that's the whole premise of the movie, that 50 years worth of disasters, although they may not have been prevented, Nicolas Cage's wife was in one of those and died. And so he said, had this information come to me sooner, I could have saved her life, you know? Yeah, that's all well and good. But, you know, she died at you know before the movie even started. And so predetermination. Pre Lum runners in the chat room saying he's still playing Bejeweled because he blames me. Hey, I can't help it. I got like one hundred sixty thousand dollars, one hundred sixty thousand points on Bejeweled, and uh, it was a great, great score. And that I didn't even get my medal. I was so mad about that. <laughs> oh dang it! Yeah. So the movie was that interesting, huh? To switch from <laughs> that to Bejeweled. Well, you know, I would just you know I get distracted sometimes. Sometimes, I'm, you know, I'm a walking distraction. <laughs> That's what some people have told me, anyway. Yeah, I can, I can see that. That that that. Yeah, I can see that. In case you hadn't heard, but yeah, no, the movie was good. I mean, you know, Nick Cage being Nick Cage, you know, plays kind of a smart guy, whatever person, and uh, but it's. The ending is what got me. I didn't like the ending very much, and I won't spoil it for anyone, but um, I just flat didn't like the ending. Thank you for not spoiling it. That's appreciated. Yeah. Now, you, you wouldn't want to run off and, like, you know, just expose the entire ending plot of, like, a, a series of, uh, of Star Wars books, you know, or anything like that. That would be... Yeah, that would, that would be, be bad. bad. That, would be, that, that would be bad. Yeah. I still get hate mail from that, you know? Oh, yeah, you know... I still get I still get hate mail from that. Nah. I still do. Exactly. Yeah. But hey, that's yeah, it was your own fault for doing that. All right. Cool. So, um, the other bit of news is that um, I wanted to go on record and say that I was again very very proud of my daughter, who some of you have seen coming in and out of the room here today, and. Um, the uh, she uh, is starting to run track. You know, she she plays soccer and she's a very good soccer player. But you know, of course, soccer you have to have a lot of stamina and you have to run. And so she uh, she runs track and she runs um, the 800 meters and the 400 meters individual um, events. And uh, she won her first track meet in both events and then um, anchored the four by 400 relay team and they won their event as well at their first track meet so i was very very proud of her 
Nice. That's How fantastic. That? How about that? She doesn't listen to the show, obviously, but you know, she wouldn't care. But <laughs> I am proud papa. You know. Very cool, man. You, uh, you deserve it. She's a, she's a good kid. She's a really good kid. As you should be. Track is tough. Any woman's sport is tough. Anyone? Any woman's sport is tough? Yeah. Well, <laughs> most women's sports are tough. Oh, nice. Oh, that got loud all of a sudden. That was weird. Sorry. Yeah, it did. Drink. Drink again. My gosh. Yes. Were you trying to drown out TG? No, I didn't I mean to. I, it just, it just. Here, my settings for my settings for this apparently are just off. Just a little bit off, which is weird. But um, anyway, I want to uh, congratulate uh, Penguins with Guns. Uh, this would be CJ in our fantasy NASCAR league that uh, S. Dorsher was talking about, trying to get his lap back on our fantasy NASCAR league. He uh, fantasy. This NASCAR. is one of the best weeks I've ever seen because he had the winner, second place, third place, and ninth place in his four drivers. It's one of the best things. This is one of the best I've ever seen. One, two, three, and nine. I thought I was doing pretty good. But uh, this is by far the highest score we've had all season. Uh, so, TG, is, is NASCAR a woman's sport? <laughs> <laughs> huh? NASCAR what? Yeah, I guess, no. Well, I guess if I guess if you're uh, if you're Danica Patrick, yes, Dave. Well, uh, no. Whoa, okay, let's 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 just go right out here. All right, Danica Patrick does not drive NASCAR. She is an IndyCar driver. Okay. So do they do they make right turns? Yes, they do. <laughs> Most of the time, they do. They don't ri They don't race oval tracks very often. They make left turns and right turns and do lots of stuff. And for those of you who, um, you know, I've talked about this picture of Danica just looking out of her helmet that, like, melts my inside. I posted it on my Facebook page because I found it. I saw that. I saw that. Now, in answer to your question, Chris, and I'm sure I'm going to get lots of women in hate mail for this. Uh-oh. Uh, but NASCAR, Indy, any kind of driving sport is not a woman's sport because women are generally bad drivers. Oh, oh, there it is. Oh. And I'm okay to say that as a woman. Oh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah, dude. I'm, I've got it recorded, too. That's the best part. <laughs> That's awesome. Dude. Wow. Well, they're so distracted. Trying to do 20. Oh, they. <laughs> they. Yeah. yeah, she says they. It's not me. <laughs> It's not me. I couldn't possibly be a poor driver who's scared okay. of letting piss out of my husband every time I get by. <laughs> Holy cow. Oh, well, okay, wait a second. Wait a second. Who was it that today pulled out across three lanes of traffic when there I, was a I, car... I was making a left turn. I had to pull across three lanes of traffic. Yeah, yeah, I know. But you were making a left turn into a lane where the car came right up on our ass. They were... In feet away from us. No, they weren't. I was. I, and you could have waited for them to go. I have. I have a mirror, and you don't. He was a hundred yards away. I had more than enough time in my with my dual cam engine. Now, and, here's and the you oh. grab. You gra she grabs the handle on the side of the door with this. Ah! And I'm like, what? I did not. What? Oh, okay. Where Where is Fiddleback when we need the counseling? 
Okay. First of all, okay, w men may be better drivers, but women, I would say, probably have better depth perception. So you say 100 feet and I say 10. I say I have a mirror and you don't. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But I'm going to leave that. Oh, oh. Sith, Goddess, Sith Goddess isn't happy with you at all, TG. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. See, I knew I was going to get hate mail of some sort. Yeah. Holy smokes. I know. Uh, wow. Not not happy at all. Not happy at all. I'm sure. That's yeah. that's that that's uh that's gender solidarity right there. Look at that. Look at that. She's like, wow. Whoa. That that's is, pretty. Uh, well, harsh yeah. You there, yeah. Sir. Well, no. You have a couple of. Wow. Cat's not happy with you either. It looks like Sith wants to be on our show now. I don't know why. And um, yeah, <laughs> nobody's nobody seems to be especially happy with you. And anyway. And the hate mail comes. That's just absolutely fantastic. <laughs> if you guys want to send hate mail to TG, you can send it to GM Chris at d20radio.com. I will forward it, and uh, it'll it'll be all good. We might even be able to answer some on the show. Oh yes, let's please. Or you can just, you know, send it to me in a private message. On yeah, that works too at d20radio.com. Yeah, of course, naturally. She's like, wow. Whoa! Oh my! <laughs> I think Sith Goddess just has issues. Holy smokes! New number one hated uh -oh. person for me. Thank you for replacing my worthless husband. Well, I sure hope he's not wow. listened to this show. Wow! Good lord! Oh. Wow! Ouch! Just ouch! Ouchness with the fastness. Wow! That's impressive. I'm impressed. <laughs> I simply have to get you two on the show. Oh no! <laughs> I got money on TG. She's a scrapper. Yeah, she bites. She kicks. I've never met Sith Goddess, so I don't know. <laughs> Gamer girls are the exception. Metal spanks here says I don't know. So okay, so um, guess what? Mm, what? I have this feeling that my come tomorrow morning. My bracket at, uh, at work might be in better shape. Did you do a bracket, uh, NCAA bracket? Me? No, I did not. I didn't know we were doing one at work. Or I probably participated. Oh, bummer. Okay. People yeah. don't share these things with me. I'm Dang. sorry. Well, I hey, hey, I didn't get an email from until like it was like Thursday morning. I got an email. I'm there's, not, there's this little button that says forward. You could have just, you know, shot well, I, it. I know, but it was already forwarded to me. See, look at that. Here goes the music again, all crazy. Oh, what's up with that? Anyway, I chose the Michigan State Spartans as my eventual national championship peoples. Does that mean anything to you? I'm not a big college ball fan, anyway. I mean, I enjoy, I I, en I enjoy watching the Final Four. Okay, it's just, it, it, it's good stuff, but I'm much more of an ah. So it's because I went to a crappy college, because I went to a crappy college that didn't really have it wasn't much. Right. Crappy. Yeah, yeah. We didn't have exact. We didn't exactly have sports teams that were worth a damn. So yeah. I, I really didn't, you know, 
get into it too terribly much. Right. But like Brev, who's a Red Raider, you know, and he went to Tech, he's, you know, a fanatic. So yeah, I think you got to have some kind of vested interest in exactly. his Exactly. Yeah, I'm maybe. I mean, sure. Okay, whatever. That's fine. But okay, Lum Runner, I didn't choose Michigan, all right? I chose Michigan State. There's a <sighs> big difference. Jesus, get with the program. Okay, so anyway... I'm like 32nd in our pool. We've got like 100 and I don't know how many people in this pool, right? And I'm still, I'm, I'm pretty far down on the list, but let me tell you that of the 31 people that are in front of me, I believe that a full 14 of them had Pittsburgh to win the national championship. Guess what? They're going home crying because Villanova won. Ah, At nice. least another half dozen had Louisville, and guess what? My guys from Michigan State took them out today. So there's still a bunch that had North Carolina and Connecticut. So, you know, Connecticut plays Michigan State um, this weekend, and we will see what happens. Gamer Nation, start sending in, uh, by the way, start sending in uh, requests for the names of the show. Already, already on it. Oh, okay, they're already on it. Good. Fine. So... Um, I personally would go for something along the lines of Craig Christ, International Man of Destiny. I'm going to go with uh, one that uh, uh, it was Dom uh, put up, which was um, uh, Destiny and a double gin and tonic. With J-I-N-N. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Joseph Jin, the man with the destiny. Hmm. Joseph Jin, the man with the destiny. Right. Okay, so anyway. Yeah, that was my NCAA tournament rant. So maybe, maybe. And I am the only one in the top 30 that has Michigan State winning the championship. So let's see what happens, hey? Good luck. I know you can they, take me. To lunch, you can take me to lunch if you win. They have like a huge. They have to. They'll have to beat two more number ones. They've already beaten one number one, but they have to beat two more number ones probably to. Uh, they beat you. Beat Connecticut and then beat North Carolina, which is just unbelievably insurmountable. But it, it's about as it's about as much insurmountable as it is for me to actually win. So, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. Okay, I think I've chosen a title. <laughs> And okay. I believe it was Magnitude 77 who said, um, Joseph Jin, International Man of Destiny. Oh, wow. That was really close to uh, Craig Christ. Yes. But it's Joseph Jin. Craig yeah. Christ. We're going we're, we're gonna to use that. Joseph Jin, International Man of Destiny. Yeah. All right. Oh. All right. I probably need <laughs> to go. It's already 11 o'clock. There's... Okay. I'm, I'm getting ready to go on the record that... Uh, Chat room, you're lucky. You will have heard the show, and uh, the general public will not be able to hear the show till tomorrow. So, thank you very much for allowing us to invade your personal space. And for GM Chris, thank you to Twilight Goodness for joining us, as always. Alex and Trevor, thank you for sending in your bit, even though we didn't get a chance to get to it. Miss Dorsher. GM Brev, thank you for your bumpers. The rest of you, again, thank you for allowing us to invade your personal space. You guys stay hard, keep jamming, and we will see ya.